and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond, and I've read each book in the main series. However, my two co-hosts are reading the series for the first time. With me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Hello. Um, I go by Lady Envy now, but I'll go by India today, I guess. And he's... (laughs) He's your favorite character who just died. It's Joshua Dean Baker. What's up? I have broken your heart and you'll never recover. Um, that's a bold name change, Inge. Just so inspired by the ending of the book then. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, Guys, if I'm going to be honest, for quite a while, I don't imagine character faces. I just never have. We've I talked do about this. a lot of the time just imagine Lady Envy as India. Is that true? <laughs> She's a very good fit. Exactly. <laughs> Mainly my image of Lady Envy is just like how trim and like her hair is and how stainless her clothes are. Since I feel like that's always foregrounded in the description. It's, it's like there's true, a yeah. beautiful white talaba and then blah, blah, blah. You know, I just like Lady Envy seems like the type who would not hesitate to slap me across the face if I was getting a little too much. And most days I do think India would do that. So it really fits for her. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate you seeing me. Of course. Today on the show, we're talking about the ending of Memories of Ice, chapters 21 through 25. And it's a bit also of a sp- known as also known as a, a, just an emotional roller coaster that will break you. It's a bit of a super show. We're not going to lie. We, we, we could have talked about it maybe in two episodes, but we decided to do it in one big honk and show. We put as, <laughs> we put as many chapters in this bad boy as you can get, you know? So with that said, let's get it started since I have a feeling we might I'm in no particular rush. I mean, there's so much to talk about, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to take a refill of coffee like halfway through this. No Stretch doubt. the legs, you know? Maybe do a PB, little downward dog. PB, when you, when you get into that Coke Zero game? I, I mean, Coke Zero is my main, my main squeeze. <laughs> um, well, honestly, I didn't want to drink a little coffee. It's pretty late at night, so I walked to the vending machine, and Coke Zero was calling my name. It had some big, wide eyes open, you know? Incredible. Incredible. Alrighty. Here we go. Chapter 21. The armies are leaving Capustan. Silver Fox consults with Perrin about her mother, the Tlani Mass, and they have an honest conversation about their past relationship. Itkovian too watches the armies trickle away from the city, and he encounters the painter Ormolagon. Painter and his frog travel with the Malazans and capture history. Ikovian will travel south to lest with Caladan Brood, the Grey Swords, Gruntel, his soldiers, the Tistiandi, and various others. The Malazan, the Bargast, and the Maranth are splitting off to travel to Seta. Whiskey Jack stops and briefly speaks with Itkovian, and then the two go separate ways. Quickben and Kruppa together discuss sorcery. In Capustan, Cole and Morelio search temples in the city. Corporal Broach ambushes them, going after the Mime. The Knight of High House Death appears. The Knight guides them to the Temple of Hood, where he is to protect the Mime. The Knight only somewhat recalls his past of fire and failing a child. Itkovian speaks with Gruntel about the tennis gallery and the armies ahead. Together, he crosses the river with them on the way south. With the bridge burners, 
Picker and Blend speak at night, and Perrin approaches and promotes Picker to lieutenant. Whiskey Jack then meets with Dujak, and they have a long conversation about the machinations of the Empire. They know about Kalam's journey to Lysine and what she would reveal to him. Tashrin is a needed ally against the Daman, and intended to protect the bridge burners at Pale. Tashrin also had been grooming Tattersail to become master of the deck. Perrin ended up with the title because of her death. They speak even more, and Whiskey Jack ends intending to retire, and outside the tent he meets Corlat. They speak of Silver Fox and the forces. Both armies know less than Seta to be empty. Perrin and Quickben were sent ahead. Quickben sends word to the Trigal Trade Guild to go to Seven Cities, that Fiddler is in trouble and needs help. Valbara then approaches and requests the Greyswords take a Naster. Ecovian will embrace and take the man's suffering, and finally, Perrin blesses the Destrin. So, uh, the armies are preparing to march south before we see Perrin and Silverfox kind of have a reflective conversation about a little bit about Silverfox and a little about the relationship. So, what do you think you take away from the relationship these two characters had that started with Perrin and Tattersail and then kind of were, was reborn, so to speak, in this book? That was like such a great way to start the chapter, I felt. I loved it so much. Um, it was just t- Silverfox was being such a oh she was being just nightmarish and I love that Perrin was like you need to step back because I think prior to the conversation about their relationship she was being she was being bitchy about something oh them taking her mom um and she a went reasonable to, thing to good to I mean for somebody who about. doesn't ever visit their mother I mean I guess yes her intentions became clear in the end but like mm-hmm. I wouldn't I would have taken her mom too honestly if I'm being honest yeah so mm-hmm. sure, sure. Um, so as she's kind of confronting him about it, and it and it, it it's just she's clear she's just not being the woman that he tr- clearly thought that she was, because mm. um, she's just so annoying. But anyway, I digress. I really loved that part. Um, I think they both realized that their relationship was based more on like a, a build up in their minds, or it, mm-hmm, more so in his mm-hmm. mind. Um, yeah. That you know, you always romanticize someone that is gone and for some sh- it, weird reason that she came back in this form and he they both I think really wanted it to be something that was never going to happen like it clearly died when she died they don't know what ever was going to happen in that relationship it was so new so I really like that they finally had like an honest conversation about how they actually and just was the also, ending too yeah the relationship was also basically grounded in Perrin being like what's up I'm horny like that was about it <laughs> And I th- that's the thing, though. Like, I don't, that's, it's just so romanticized. A hundred percent. And I think that's why, in addition to kind of having closure between these two characters in this scene, what something I really appreciate about it is that, like, definitely for me, every time they would be like, oh, Perrin and Tattersail, blah, blah, blah. I was like, why are we trying to make this happen? They, like, barely had a relationship. This was, like, two yeah. scenes. I just, like, wasn't connecting to it. So mm-hmm. and then it was kind of it was almost cathartic to have the characters recognize that like that maybe not as much was there as they thought. Yeah, it needed to happen, needed to be said, because it really did make no sense. They're like, if anybody can bring Tattersail out of her, you can. And it was just like, but but why? Yeah, mm-hmm. because of your brief tryst. <laughs> um, <laughs> Josh, with the soldiers, we meet the painter or or Maliagon 
and his talking frog. Uh, <laughs> well, what do you? What did you think of of this painter and his it brief is, appearance? It is peak Erickson to <laughs> twenty one chapters into a book that has already featured a major siege. Also, be like, and this is the painter that travels with us and is extraordinary. What's that? Oh, his talking frog friend. Don't worry about it. Like, I do want to worry about it, actually, Stephen. I have so many questions about this. So am I to understand that every Malazan army just has a full-time painter whose job is to record their history? I don't know. Maybe it's just Dujax, but I mean, mean, it's it's such a goofy scene, you know? It is very good, though. I mean, I do very much enjoy it. And also, of course, in some ways, it feels like Steve, we're gonna get to it later, but it like there's like a beginning where like one of the one of the beginning poems at one point it mentions that like his painting's the only true representation of a thing that happened, and I read that and part of me was like, did we just need there to be a painter? And so Stephen like went back and was just like, fuck, I don't uh, a Covian frog boy, you know like how did how does this come up? Listen, I have no idea how he ended it. I just think it's a strange it's almost a strange place to put because I think it's a very meta moment because it's like. He is there and he's having conversations. At one point, the frog is even like, I'm the audience or says something crazy it's, like that. Dude. It's like clearly he is kind of writing about his experience as an artist. Mm-hmm. But um, why it's in this chapter in particular, I guess I couldn't tell you. But um, yeah, it was the choice. And then we we also this is the first time the army properly splits up and they never really reunite until the huge battle at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, what do you think about the decision to split the army like this? Um, well, I will say uh, for the umpteenth time that it was very hard to understand why I cared about why I should care about this because there's just such bad maps, <laughs> and so I was like. I was like, I mean, I eventually figured out that like there there were two, but I don't know. It just seemed like the worst choice and mm. in many, many, many ways is the direct reason why the ending of the all the terrible things that happen at the end of the book happen. And it's like their reasoning was, well, our armies can't get along. Well, I mean, they did this far and it's been pretty good. I think we could just keep being along. I do fully agree. And I think especially I'm sure we'll talk about later on. There needed to be some middle management intervention or something or just interdepartment communication. I mean, like we'll we'll definitely get to it when when the fucking standard bearer comes up. But like if there is one thing that this series has taught me so far, it's that the the Malazans are too smart for their own good. Always, mm. always, they are too smart for their own good. Yeah, they're like trying to. They're playing like seven D chess about yeah, everything. Yeah, they, they are. Yeah, they are full big brain meme, and everyone else is just like, but we could just go straight there. And Malazans <laughs> are like, you don't understand when the navy gets here, and everyone's just like, stop, <laughs> just march to this place and siege it. Oh. <sighs> So, uh, in, uh, in Kapustan, Cole and Murley are bringing the Mibe in, and, and this is when we first are introduced to the Knight of High House Death, and we get some cryptic remarks about his past. Did you catch it? Did you put the pieces together? I thought I did, but I don't want to be wrong and not know, and then be like, just, oh my god, it's death this. Just take a stab, Inge. Live your best life. Okay. I thought it was the guy from the last book whose name starts with a B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I remember. I don't know the name. Yeah, it's Bowden is his name. Ah, you see, I was going to say. Wait, I knew is it. that who? Wait, wait, is that who I, it was? Is that who I the Night of My House Death was? I knew it. Yes. 
I did not he failed get the that. child. He died I, in fire. We were all like, oh, my God, I can't believe he died. Oh, oh, he had such an uneventful man, death. And I did then not he was like, get that. like, he's definitely Malzan, but he's brown. He's like super bronze. And I was like, he was bronze. Hold on. Hold on. Mm. <laughs> mm. Where's my mm. Mm. So in, what did you think about them? The introduction of this night and then the bringing to this temple of high househood and the start of kind of the setup of what will become for the Mibe. I just want to let it be known that Josh has stepped away. I think to we're, grab we're talking about the night or... of we're talking about the night of high house death, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, I have been beyond confused because if you go, oh, mm, tricky Erickson. It's all happening live action. <laughs> oh, so if you go to the appendix, like okay, they have the the the, 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 the fatigued, I don't know, the deck of dragons and all the people who are like important in it. Mm. If you go to High House Death, it shows King as Hood. Knight, it says once Dasim Ultor, who is a character that I vaguely know who that is. And I thought that that meant like, it is the man formerly known <laughs> as Dasim Ultor. <laughs> that is exactly how I interpreted it. And I was like, man, I barely have a grasp of who this guy is. India is like so, like, because India texts us and was just like, I totally know who this is. I love this. And I over here like, I barely know this guy at all. I am so impressed with India. As it turns out, I just completely misunderstood everything. The artist formerly known as Dasmaltor. <laughs> Christ. Um, Dasmaltor uh, was once the first sword of the empire. He was yes. once the night I housed death. And, and I was confused because we've seen him unconscious uh, in one of the, uh, the, the houses, one of the houses of the Azath. That was his daughter, Josh. Come on! Oh, damn it. <laughs> You're right. That's funny. Um, I feel so dumb. So that was Bodhi. That's really interesting. Okay. But like classic Steve. Steve, why why couldn't you just say it? <laughs> why couldn't it just be Bodhi? Well, because Bodhi doesn't remember his name because reasons. He, come on, India. It's kind of like You're an right. Easter egg. He, he, he I mean, really to be honest, it. I definitely didn't notice it the first mm. time through. So like, damn it now. Damn it. Guys, it's, it's, it's an honor and a privilege. Um... So what was the question? I'm sorry, I got so I, I just got. <laughs> well, it was just any thoughts about that or them showing up at the temple or. No, I was a. How the hell did he get there though? But yeah, no, no thoughts about that. That whole part was really confusing. Why were the Why were the wrath priests there? How did they get there? I think the wrath priests show up later, actually. In the in the temple that they go to. Well, the thing they? is like that most of these chapters open with the temple stuff and like it kind of slowly progresses until like kind of it get drawn into the climax at the end. But I think the priests show up in maybe like 23 or something. Oh, okay. Well then um, thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, if I were them and a man came up to me who had no idea who he was, but was like, no, you got to come with me and, and you got to bring, you got to bring the lady. Mm. And I, and, and they were, and I, my sole purpose was to save her. I feel like I'd be a little more, um, apprehensive plus you like can't let go of the swords you just he's just holding <laughs> yeah. them the whole time yeah what's up with that why can't why does he have sword arms uh, he doesn't have i think he's just got like i don't know he just doesn't know what to do with his hands you know classic bowden am i right classic bowden all right finally near the end of the chapter Josh, uh, there's this conversation between Perrin gets promoted. Um, I, just shut up. I'm gonna, no, sorry, Picker gets promoted. But then no, there's no, this. I, I, I got it. I got it. This, okay. I texted the I texted the group about this because I was the first one to start this chapter. And oh, weird. <laughs> I've, I've never I've never been more. I've never felt more betrayed by an author. Do you know what I mean? Wow. wow. Because because 
when you read a book, I believe that you you go with the assumption that most of the time characters know what they are talking about and aren't working off of assumptions and rumors. Or if they are working off assumptions and rumors, you then get a different point of view of someone who has all the answers, right? I have never been three books in and found out in the 21st chapter of the third book that the glue that has been binding me together since chapter two of the first book has actually just been semen, not glue. Who knew? So, <laughs> semen? Why did you go with that? I went with the only other sticky white just substance sticky. I could quickly think of. Holy Anyway, like from the get go, the only thing we know about the bridge burners is that they have been betrayed. That is just like the propulsion that we that is rocketing us through all of book one and most of the the journey of the bridge burners in book two is why did this happen? And to find out that not only was this no grand scheme of betrayal, but honestly, it's the opposite. Many people were trying to keep them alive because they realized how important they are and how important Whiskey Jack is. And in fact, it was just a fucking accident, apparently. Like, how brutal is that to know that, like, just a random twist of fate is what has just launched us this whole great distance. Like, it's it's very good, but also very, it was, it was very, like, I don't know, rocked my world. And they do specifically speak about, too, how, like, Bellardin intervening and killing Tattersail was kind of this, was kind of the unforeseen spark of it all, in a way. Yes, yes. Yeah, the big reveal that Tattersail was being groomed to be the pastor of the deck, which I was like, first, this uh, this also confused me. Like, it really felt like when Perrin discovered he was master of the deck, it really felt like most people were like, damn, there's a master of the deck. That's such a cool thing. But actually, like, Malazan knew about it and was trying to create one. I don't know. Uh, Tayshrin, I guess, uh, has has some mad knowledge, you know. Sounds like it. Inch, yeah. Inch, I, how I, did I, this big reveal come out that there's like, you know, there's all these machinations but with Tayshrin's true purpose and that maybe the the false outlaw, How? because a lot of the Empire stuff is kind of unveiled, so to speak, here. Not going to lie. It's as if I didn't even read that. I have no idea what you're talking about. And I like it. It, it, was went, it, it so, went right over my head. Like, that is okay. not at all anything that I it thought. Is, it, was, it was so densely written. Like, it's, it's, like a, it's like a scene in the chapter where, like, Whiskey Jack is in the tent with Dujack, and Dujack just kind of reveals all this. First off, another big reveal we didn't even mention is that it, we have been told several times that Whiskey Jack is, like, should be basically commander of all the armies. He's, like, the greatest ever. And, like, we keep being told that he's a sergeant as a punishment, but Dujek's like, we, me and you both know you're only a sergeant so that, and this is huge, we have the right people on the ground when Shadow Throne makes his move, which is like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Is that like a big, like, thing that's going to happen or that we think is going to happen? And I don't know, it's just so many things were revealed and it's kind of overwhelming. And I imagine on a second reread, you're like, yeah, this is the whole plot. This is the whole thing. So you're telling me that Nobody ever wanted to kill the bridge burners. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And that's the huge, like, what? What? That's like the whole premise we've been working on this whole time is that the bridge burners have been, like, being targeted. And it was all an accident. Here it is. Here it is. Page 700 says they're talking about all this shit, right? And they're talking about, uh, ba 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 ba. 
So basically, it's talking about how du like Dujek and Whiskey Jack are doing their best to keep the Empire afloat. Lacine is also doing her best, but they've been some, you know, they, they keep running the problems. It says, so to keep Brood from destroying all of civilization, we sacrifice ourselves a challenge of the, the crippled god. Us, one damned weary army already decimated by one of Lacine's panics. I assumed the panic meant, like, them being, like, caved in. And then it's, and Dujek's like, forgive her for her panics. And then he says, virtually wiping out the bridge burners at Pale. And... Then, because remember, Whiskey Jack in book one is like, we've been targeted, you know, they're after us, all this stuff. And then Dujek's like, was an accident, and while you didn't know it at the time, you know it now. Tation ordered them to remain in the tunnels because he seemed the safest. So they told them to stay in the tunnels because they thought during the attack on Pale that was the safest spot for the bridge burners. And then through, and just a random act of nature, the tunnels caved in, killed most of the bridge burners. And even here, it's like, yeah, Whiskey Jack, at the time you thought that you were being targeted. But apparently, there's been an off-scene off conversation where Whiskey Jack gets filled in and knows they've not been targeted, but we didn't get to see that till right now. That is not clear from the reading. I am just mm -hmm. going to say it. It is a little... It is not worded very black and white. Um, okay. Well, okay. Yeah. I will say... Changing. I'm just gonna be honest. It's like... It's tough because it almost makes me... I, I, I don't want to sound like I did didn't understand it but i almost feel like i just don't believe it if that makes any sense do you know what i mean and i almost yeah. feel like i just more believe the gardens of the moon account of it and maybe that's just like me it's a conspiracy theory my have. problem with that I, though, I do i feel like a full conspiracy theorist about it i'm like what do you mean the tunnels it was the safe i mean it just feels like i don't it know just happened to but cave. it's also like like with everything lacine says in book two to kalam who like judges it to be true it's like i had a tough time just like you know justifying that what she's saying is true but i believe that there was this huge conspiracy to just kill all them at pale so that was weird for me then was trying to be like how how can what she's saying be true when all the stuff we already know? And I now mean, we know that all that was false. I do feel you. I don't think Lacine's lying at the end of Dead Outskate. So I do think. Yeah. I yeah. think she's hiding things because yeah, yeah, she's yeah, the Empress. For sure. But, for you know. sure. Um, and then at the very end, Inge, Quick Ben sends help to Fiddler. And we kind of get the other half of what, you know, because the Trigal Trade Guild jumps in at that crucial moment. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess Perrin uh, Anaster is given over to the Grey Swords. A seemingly inconsequential thing <laughs> at this chapter. At this yeah, point, seriously. yeah. So pretty much they just made him like a shell. <laughs> like I've, yeah. by, by taking away his pain, he had like nothing else to be made of and thus was just like a body. Which is pretty sad. You know? It is very sad. Yes, but, you know, for a good purpose. I suppose. All righty, let's keep on moving. It's a good moral question, though, real quick. You know, would you rather live at like live in pain or just like not hot damn right just be, a, be a shell Steve. of a person i don't know what i'd prefer tbh i'll let like, you know to be a hateful anaster or to be nobody yeah it's more mm. than a hateful if your entire if you've like if it literally if, if you somebody taking away your pain makes you like nothing i don't know man i don't know what i choose that's tough i but guess anyway I I guess I feel like I just want to would have to extrapolate it into some other scenarios, but that's not what the show's about. So <laughs> it can be. It can be anything we want it to be. Um. All right. Here we go. Chapter twenty-two. Toxits suffering near Sirdoman and Septark Ultentha. 
The Pandians have prepared defenses with the great condors keeping prying Malazan eyes away. They have dug trenches in the woods west of the city, and the Tendiscauri are diseased, blessed by Poleo. Tok remembers he is a Malazan, laughs and tries to taunt the seer. The seer responds by commanding him to be returned to the matron. However, a seer demon plans to bring him food and shelter. The Mekro city nears Coral, and Lady Envy speaks to the Lanas Tog about Tool and the Segula. Nearing Lest, Corlat speaks with the Crone about being unable to see the Dumman's preparation. Brood asks her of Moonspawn, but Corlat thinks of Whiskey Jack and her love for him. They then reach Lest, a long conquered city with no signs of life in it. Ekovian rides near Gruntle in Caravan Guard, despite military structure. They ride together and encounter Balshalan and Corbel Brooch. In Hood's temple, the Knight of Death prepares for the Mime. Cole and Marilio speak of Cole's past, Lady Simtal, and a hidden child. In her dreams, Mibe wanders the waste, and the wolves are gone. So Peter, Hit am me. I correct in assuming that Cole's hidden child is going to be a player in the game eventually, or that we have potentially already met her and don't know it? Hmm, Interesting. I'm going to go ahead and just take a strong no comment. That feels like the safe choice to me. So feel safe. He'll safe. He'll safe. Okay. Um, so, so India, how did you, did you feel like, uh, we've talked before about how you, you have very little experience aside of the Malazan series of these kind of large scale battles. Did it help uh, for you to kind of get a sort of overview of what the battlefield is going to look like uh, from the Panion perspective before this all actually starts? Not at all. Okay, good. I, yeah, it makes sense. Meant nothing to me. Even okay. like when they're in the the tunnels and they're talking about the map that they find, nothing, not a thing. Mm. I'm just like, okay, got it. I I just picture everything in real time. So like when they're fighting, honestly, one that's place, what the that's what the soldiers are doing. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah I, I do. I have been told I have a soldier's mindset. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it for years. <laughs> I, I, Josh, I like this part, and for the record, I love. It's a weird sentence to say. I love that the tennis gallery get all diseased and fucked up. I just feel like that's such. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a gross detail, and and it's it just, also like it's kind of believable, and it's a real efficient way to not talk about them. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I find the coral that we find at the end of the book is such like a nightmare city. And oh, it just very much contributes to that aesthetic, along with the giant condors, which are just yeah. so fucking metal. Yeah, you know? it's pretty great. The, oh, I think the most metal thing is that they aren't just condors. There's demons within them trying to escape, and sometimes you can see them bulging through the skin, and it's like, that's horrific. It's truly wild shit. Yeah. Do you have any questions, Pete? Well, no, I mean, it's a pretty short chapter overall, right? I mean, I feel like this is a true setup chapter. Um, we ch we check in on the Mecro City a little, and then we kind of have a... Uh... Man, I feel so bad for Tox's body. I was uh, just thinking that, but I don't want to bring it up again. Yeah, it's really hard to read those sections. Yeah. I was very glad when that one seared him in. Also, let me just say, quite... I would say it's pretty interesting that the only people from the Panion domain that we have met have been exclusively uh, pure evil.
Mostly, you know I mean? yeah, yeah, mostly. We, like, like no one we have met has really made me care about them as a people. And it, I, I think it's pretty good to see that, like, at the very least, there are some people who still have enough free will to know when their leader is doing something fucked up. It's just very strange to me. Like, do we? I mean, I'm assuming we're never going to talk about the Panion Domain later in this in this series. Like. Thank God. How, like, what does it begin as? Does it begin as like a kind of chill, like religious, like like uh, what's the word for a religious focused uh, society? A um, theocracy. They describe. Yeah. They describe its spread, and they do describe it in a mostly religious way. Um, but, and I think and they. But I, th- is, I think is, back- is the Jaghut seer always the seer, or does he take? the place of an actual human who was like a chill guy for a while no i'm under the impression it was he he created it all and i think they even account for it in that sequence where this specific seer domain i think is recounting the cat people and he's like recounting how his family kind of came into it and how the religion spread across the south of genabacus interesting interesting okay all right Alrighty, it doesn't seem like we have much to say. Let's let's kick the ball forward. Chapter 23. The bridge burners near Seta. We meet the mages Blue Pearl, Shanks, and Toes. Perrin speaks with Quickben, and Nancy reports to the captain about the vacant city of Seta. Twist joins them and speaks of the Bargast gods whom Perrin has yet to acknowledge. Together, they speak of the past and the Tist Eater. Whiskey Jack speaks with Artanthos and then Dujak. The High Fist speaks of seven cities and the adjunct Tavor, and they share a meal together. Riding with the Maranth, the Bridgebinners land near Coral. Perrin and Quickban examine a strange Tist Eater corpse on the shoreline, his body killed by the Path of Sea, Rus. Quickban speculates about his death and the Tist Eater. Perrin visits the Deck of Holds and speaks with the Throne of Shadow about the Eater and the Drift of Ali. After he tries to find Animan Rake, but rather finds himself in Dragnipur speaking to Draconis. He tells Draconis of Nightchill's plan, and the Elder God explains Dragnipur is unstable. Rake has not been feeding the sword enough, and the wagon might be pulled into chaos. Draconis speaks of the origins of the sword, and regrets making it. Perrin finally returns to reality, waking up alongside Mallet and Quickben. Near Morak, Hetan complains and Kruppa speaks of darkness. Nearing Coral's Bay, Perrin consults with the mages about their power, and Picker feels like Perrin and Quickben are concealing secret plans. Ikovian speaks with Gruntel and Stony. They have become friends. They speak of past pain for each of them. They are approached by High Marshal Straw of the Mott Irregulars, who inquire about Brood's army and speak of irregular spies within the Malzian forces. The Irregulars miss their table. Gruntel speaks of a forest near Coral, which they'll reach soon. On the river, Whiskey Jack speaks with Humble Trow about Hetan, the Mott Irregulars, and the Empire's gold. In Morak, Korlat wanders an abandoned city, thinking of leaving the Tistandi as long as Whiskey Jack lives. She thinks of Animander Rake and what might become of the Tistandi and their greatest nemesis, Despair. Caladan Brood and his allies unite with Whiskey Jack. The commanders bicker about missing Malazan forces and the missing Moonspawn. 
The alliance grows more tenuous as they march. They debate the speed of the pace they should take. Calor and Brood wishing to go slow, but Whiskey Jack and Corlat will go ahead. Gruntle and Akovian camp together and wonder about the splitting armies and meet more Mott Irregulars. One mentions Whiskey Jack apprenticed as a Mesa. Two days out from Coral, rain slows the Malzan's approach. Corlat commands 12 Tist Andy and they think about the forces at play in the upcoming battle. Calor speaks with Kaladi and Brood. He has noticed Talani Mass traveling as mud towards Coral. They both think they've made a mistake and wish to rejoin Whiskey Jack and Calor suggests he shall ride ahead and leaves the tent with a smile. Lady Envy reaches the shore four days from Coral. Parent of the Bridgeburners find tunnels dug by the Panion and Spindle is commanded to rig them to collapse. Panion mages trail them and a battle ensues between the mages. Fires spread out and Panion forces fall into Malazan traps. Dujek and his army arrive by Black Moranth. It's at the start of this chapter that um, we are introduced to a lot of the mages um, of the bridge burners that we'll, we'll, we'll see later in the fight. And then we also, Perrin and Quickban encounter this strange Tist Eater corpse. And then Perrin goes and uses his uh, Master of the Deck powers to go speak with uh, the Throne of Shadow and then speak with Draconis. Uh, they also find kind of a weird Tist Eater corpse. So what did you make of all of all of this kind of mystery and this introduction of these new characters? Um, I like the new characters. To- Toes was my favorite. I thought that was yeah. the most horrifying, disgusting thing I've ever heard. Um, but beyond that, the finding of that tisty whatever body, you know it's going to be relevant. You don't know why, but there's really not much else to say about that part, I feel. I guess we'll learn about it in the next six books, probably. Other than that... Oh, and then Perrin using his little power thing. It's very cute that he he's getting comfortable using his little deck power with his little card thing. Drawing little pictures and going places. But if there's any... Like, Josh, do you have anything to say about that part? Or can we just... I really need someone to understand. I mean, someone to explain to me what happens when that man is like, up. Oh, He's not killing enough people, so chaos. You can't just use the word chaos and expect me to understand what it means. What is chaos? In every 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 time. Oh, we're sending into chaos. Oh, but this is also chaos. Oh, this is in chaos. Chaos is the word. Like, okay. The best I can do. And if I hear the word warring, Josh, I'm ending it. Oh no. Okay. Alright. Let me rethink this approach. So the best I have is that Kroll, the, the, the Elder God, okay? The Warrens are his veins, whatever the fuck that means. Right. Okay? That's, that's as much as I got for that's that. totally understandable. And, and the Warrens inside of him are natural. As far as I gather, Chaos is the power of the Crippled God, who is not of this world and was brought down in a ritual countless years ago and so the power of chaos is like what he brought right like the you know like him shifting things around peter's looking like that's wrong that's as much as i got dude we're three books in who fucking knows whatever it is there is the power of chaos 
I believe, Dragnipper. No, Draconus. Draconus. It sounds like he thought he needed his. God damn it. Mother Dark, Corald Galane. <laughs> Mother Dark, Corald Galane. Nonsense words. I'm just saying nonsense words, but you know what I'm talking about. So, Mother Dark, Corald Galane, this, the power of darkness. Drag Draconis wanted to keep it away from chaos. At the time when he was younger, you know, he was only countless years old instead of double countless years old. He thought, I need to constantly pull darkness away from chaos. And so he was like, well, to do that, I literally need to pull it and I need to anchor it somewhere. So he has anchored darkness in this uh, giant carriage inside of the sword and it's being dragged constantly away from the power of the power air quotations of chaos i guess but now he says that corald galane kind of uh, moves on its own and would never be caught by chaos because of its migration pattern but listen india that is as close as fuck? i got with it and now yeah so now he thinks that he has imprisoned these souls for nothing, and he, he could have let the natural order go, and Corald Galane would not have been captured at any point by chaos or called up to by chaos. So then why is he saying then, we need more souls to pull the cart? He's saying you have two options. Keep pulling the cart because I have I have stripped Corald Galane of its ability to migrate by anchoring it here. So it either needs to be unanchored and allowed to roam freely, or it needs to just keep being pulled faster. So that's the options. Either they can destroy the sword or Anamander Rake needs to kill more people. Got it. Peter. And that is that is the extent of what I have. That makes um, some sense. Yeah, I mean, I think some of that's all right. I don't need to, like, go and, like... I'm sure there's a lot that's wrong, but, like, I only read this book once and I, yeah. that section was, yeah. I guess I'll just say the way I think about chaos is that, like... Or is chaos like the fraying at the edge of words? I'm, I'm sick of the word, that, is what I know. That That's that's more what I think about, because, you know, Kroll crafted the Warrens. Yes, but the, the question is, but but chaos is the power that that the crippled god uses to infect the Warrens, is the power of chaos. Yeah, I think he's using it. I don't, but it's not his own power. Yeah, I don't think he created it or anything. Okay, well, India, who knows what chaos is, just that it's being used. Awesome. Um, listen, I thought this sequence was interesting to return to this, like seeing Draconis again, but I, what I really wanted to speak about was the Tisty Eater stuff. Um, ah, I'm, I'll break there, because India already said it, and I'll say it again. Don't know, not important yet. Eventually, will be important. I just want to say... <laughs> the Tisty Eater are who we've heard have been, are, are, they went to the same place as the low gross to the the ones that what's her fucking face is from the the talon with the swords through her body oh uh lana's tog yeah it, it does aren't they in the place the tisty eater went to no they're in two different places well who knows but the tisty eater were with the maranth right um <sighs> no yes the tisty eater were with the maranth talk about how they were tisty eater with them for so long and then they just kind of left I forget what you're talking about, or I think you're talking about the Tist Eater with War with the Bargast. Listen, here was my point, all right? All I wanted to say is this section 
stood out to me more than on the reread because obviously I know more about the Tistidor. And I just want to say, this is where Steve's being a real pervert. I mean, listen, what? listen to this. Where this new emperor of the eater, this tyrant of pain, this deliverer of midnight tides. Yeah, here midnight we, tides, I was like, fuck off. Here we are in the middle of this book and he's sitting here teasing the fifth book and like yeah. all that junk. Man, what a what a wild guy. The audacity, the audacity yeah. of this kid. All right. Let's not get bogged down in it because two of our hosts don't know what any of this means yet. So no. So let's keep on moving. I mean, we got a lot of stuff going on. Um. All right. Uh, so, Josh, later on, uh, we meet the Mott Irregulars more formally. Let's and- go. Best characters ever. <laughs> And they're kind of this lumberjack s crew, and they're kind of... Uh, what you make of them? What do you make of them? I make of them... You know how, like, the people that you expect the least of are the ones most able to surprise you? You know, and when your expectations are low, like, it's easier to be like, oh, that is the definition of the Ma Irregulars. Sure, like, sure. Everything about them is like, I'm an idiot. Until they do something that is genius... Or just so stupid that it works, and you don't know which one it is. Maybe I, both. I agree. Just so stupid it works. Yeah. You know, like, oh, look over there. Punches guy in the jaw, steals a bunch of dung. And I don't, man, I don't know. <laughs> this is going to be some really good bark. I, yeah, there's just so much about them that I love. Um, I, uh, that's about all I got. They're very funny. I could, I could watch, I could listen, I could read a whole book that is just them in the woods doing stuff. Yeah. Like, it's fun, very they're, good. They're a fun, weird addition to the ending. Yeah. Um, India, afterwards we find, uh, there's this scene where Corlat is kind of wandering this, uh, ab- abandoned city, and she, uh, kind of thinks about, uh, a life she could have with Whiskey Jack, and then also thinks about... The Tisty Andy and their lives grappling with despair. Um, what did you make of this section? I'm really depressed. I don't even want to talk about her. But I think is in, in that moment, did she also realize that it would never work? Or was that a different moment? Um, I'm, I think she's thinking about his mortality is like kind of what she's focused on. Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, um, it was a cute idea. Love her for it. Would also love to spend the rest of my life with someone that I loved. However, you know, she's made for other things. She is, she's like, isn't she, how many thousands of years old is this woman? Like, granted, I don't understand anything about their lives being for despair. It appears everyone's life is just full of despair. (laughs) But, you know, she has responsibilities. She has kin to take care of. They call them kin. I don't know why. Um, Are they really family? I don't know. But I just feel like it was a pipe dream. Mm. Something to make her feel better, to lessen the despair, to have this this hot young mortal man to live with until he dies. And then she has to go back to what? Despair? Well. Damn. And in that moment, I think she also is like, is Anamander Rake dead? If he is, I got to be in control. I don't know if that's when she says that. But um, I think she thinks about later on, but I know she does. No. Maybe it's now. Honestly, it all kind of blurs. Yeah. Well, let's just could we just put it all together. Re- regardless, it, it appears that she has other responsibilities to take care of. And she knows, you know, I'd love to be with this guy forever. But unless he can be with me forever because I have shit to do. Yeah. I can't just be 
hanging around in a cabin. And you know what? Feminism. Um, oh yeah. Um, um, can I take. can I can I double back to something that I missed out on? Please, we, we're uh, we're playing fast and loose. We're ju- we are skipping at some stuff, you know. Apologies. I, I do want to I want to pop back and talk about the the mages we get introduced to. Oh sure, and, and, and I, you mentioned a few of them. Yeah, and I do want to say one of my one of my more persistent critiques of these first three books is that how big are the bridge burners? Because <laughs> they are. At once, they they we have Schrodinger's bridge burners. They are as small as they need to be to seem inconsequential and fragile, and then as big as they need to be in order to have mages for a pivotal scene. Do you know what I mean? We have been only seeing Car- Perrin and his people, and like that has been the extent. Like, first there's always books, there's always been more than Perrin's squad. But I've asked about this, and like like where where are they? Wait, like Whiskey Jack is the leader of the bridge burners and he takes his small sled group. That's fine. Great. But like, where are all of these bridge burners all of the time? And then all of a sudden, finally, they are all here. And it's just like, all right, now we got seven mages. And it's like, we could have used seven mages so many times in these first three books. Like it's, it just felt That's... a little, I don't know. I did not, I did not feel like. So convenient. It felt really convenient to say that they lose all of their people over and over again. We're told that there's almost no one left. I almost feel like in the I almost feel like in Gardens, it, it's like insinuated that the ones we see are all that's left, basically. But no, like, I think they even say there's like forty of them or something. They have a number. Okay, I just if they're gonna be here and they need to be important, I do not I do not enjoy in the final three chapters naming seven people who are absolutely critical to the success of something that have just not been existing the whole time. It just feels a little bit much. We'll definitely agree it's a late introduction. So yes. we're, I, we're on the same page about that. Yeah. Um. So uh, this is then again, the, the forces have reunite oh, oh. only to split again. Stop. Okay. Can we, we've missed the most important fact in this entire series. There's so much going on in these chapters, I'm Josh. Sorry, Cut me I've a break. I've got to pull back. Kruppa fucks. <laughs> Kruppa it does is, fuck. It is objectively written in this section of the book that Kruppa not only fucks, which in itself, the thought of that is just kind of sickening, but he fucks. Like, also, maybe he got Hattan pregnant? I mean, probably that that's just a, that probably is just a joke her dad made. But I was just like, what are we doing here? Okay, well, I don't know why you would assume it was Kruppa that made it. But, like, yeah, Krupp deaf fucks, you know, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like that was the last person she talked about fucking several times. I just feel like Peter just told us that, like, there is a baby and it's not his. Okay, that's not what I said. All I'm saying is... It kind of sounds like it's not Krupp's baby. can't even look at us. Hedden is a oh, sexually sh- independent woman. And I just think, I don't Josh was... I felt like not portraying that, so. I mean, in I context, it really feels like it's Krupa's. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm glad. I'm glad we stopped the show for it, Josh. I just had to talk about it. It's important stuff, man. The army splits up again, and uh, they all kind of go their different ways. And then Calda and Brood and Calor stay back, and then Calor's like, "Well, I'm actually gonna go catch up with them," and it kind of leaves with a smile. Um, Some bullshit. If any, like, honestly, I don't even read this kind of stuff. And even I knew that was bullshit. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? Like what? He was like, oh, he, he's had a change of heart now. Yeah, you should go get them. Yeah. As soon like, as he leaves, stupid? I was like this. Oh, I was so mad. 
a somatic cow and brood who is like all the time confident until the one moment you need him to not be a literally fucking like, idiot. Aren't you supposed to be smart? Don't you know this bullshit already? You no, you immortal not. asshole. All right, go stop Calor. Ooh. He's like, no, yeah, you definitely, you go ahead. Yeah. It's like, was he like preoccupied? And he like wasn't thinking about it. And he was like, no, this sounds like a sound plan. Like he definitely is really like sorry about it. Fool. Fucking fool. It's also mentioned in this section, Josh, that uh, Whiskey Jack uh, apprenticed as a mason. Any big takeaways from that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, he's going to be the mason of High House Shadow. Oh, I didn't catch that till just now. Thank you. Well, interesting. Well, in the book, in the first book, we talk about how one of the houses needs a mason. And it's like really hinted out that it's going to be someone we know. And I think it's High House Shadow that needs a mason. Could be High House Death. I think it's High House Shadow, though. Huh. I didn't catch that. Thank you. So, Ange, uh, at the very end, we see this is the first. There's these this tunnel. We're introduced to these tunnels and they take the tunnels only to have the second battle later on. How did you find, Inge, this first? Uh, this is our first scrape with the Panion forces, uh, with the mages and the, these tunnels. Um, well, they needed a small win. So they got a nice little little taste of success in the beginning where they were like, oh, maybe this is going to be so hard after all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not sure what they did. It seemed as if somebody drowned from the inside and then there was fire. I don't know what their little plan was. All I know is that it seemed successful. They did kill a lot of people. But that even even that whole part, I was like, I got to ask Peter and Josh what they did here because it just seems like water and then it also seems like fire and explosions. And I just, he was like, Someone was like, I have an idea. And they were like, he has an idea. And they were like, is it going to work? And he was like, yeah, it's going to work. And then, and then boom, bam, bah, bah, dead. And no. I was just like, okay. I think you pretty much got it with that. So honestly, yeah. I have to say, this was like the dumbest move by the bridge burners, it felt like. In, Why do you in, say that? Well, I mean, I don't know. It just like this section brought up like a, a, a lot of logistical questions for me. So like they go into the tunnels, right? And they sure. have a pretty quick time getting in the tunnels. What is preventing them from leaving the tunnels? So, like, like their problem is we don't want to be found, right? Like, wouldn't you think it would be more important that they not be seen than it would be for them to, like, do some incremental damage? Like, it didn't make sense to me that they were like, mm. like, why, like, why not just run away and not have the enemy know you're there? Because they lose their whole element of surprise with this one engagement. Like, this leads to the next chapter and, like, the preemptive battle where they get pretty damaged. And it didn't make yeah, any that sense battle, to me. Like, that battle on the hilltop's a pretty bad one. And then, it goes yeah. bad for them. And I really think it comes down to this moment where they send, like, all of the bridge burners in instead of, like, one or two people. And, like, if one or two people do the scouting, then they are prepared to wait for the actual army that's supposed to be coming. And then before the Panions sally out with their 5,000 people, hit them with Dujik's 6,000 people. Like, that just seems like solid strategy. I bet they're wishing they had you on their side now, Josh. It, it just, I, I don't know. And then, like, they blew it up. Like, there's no, wor- there's no worse way to be sneaky than to blow the goddamn thing up. Now, what did they blow up? Because, again, geography okay, is not so, anything for so me basi- here. So, basically, India, the Panion's plan was... Okay, so you imagine there's a city. That's Coral. In front of yeah, Coral, yeah. there is a pretty big plain, mm-hmm. okay? Plains are naturally bad for people who are sieging because they can get... They, like, they can get, be shot from the walls the entire time, and it's pretty bad, right? So, basically, they probably are going to have to just do one big assault. 
to basically, if you're looking, if the city's in front of you, right, and there's a plane between you and the city, imagine that, mm -hmm. to the left of the plane is woods, and they had built really disguised trenches that they could fit a big force and so once the sieging army was engaged and their flanks were open, that force would come from the woods and slam their unprotected rear, and then they would be caught between the wall and this new army. That was the Panyan's plan. Dujek and Whiskey Jack, go ahead, question. How, how did you even know that? <laughs> I play a lot of war games on my computer. Okay. Yes. Dujek and Whiskey Jack's plan was, there's probably gonna be something fishy, let's get their early sniff it out. And then I thought would wait, but they were like, I've sniffed, gotta get in there. <laughs> Once you pop, you can't stop. Once you pop, you can't stop. Understood, understood. All right, let's get into it. Let's keep it going. Chapter 24. In Hood's temple, Wrath's Shadow Throne, Tog, and Fandoray join them. Marilia and Cole observe the preparations and the cot that lies within a burial pit, where the priest wants to put the mime. Outside of Coral, near 30,000 Panyan soldiers face Dujek's entrenchment. Picker debates what the seer could be up to. Quickben speaks with the mages and then Perrin and Dujek. They're going to send out Quickben, but are worried for his safety. They send guards with him and have lined the trenches with munitions. Picker watches as Quickben engages with the Panion with illusory demons and a seer dominant with a black ensorcelled axe that explodes into a wraith. However, the Panions spread out and surround the Malazans. Battle engulfs the hilltop with Quickben returning to Perrin with shadowy sorcery. Enemy soldiers and sorcery descend on the hill and the Malazans return with sharpers and crossbows. A condor strikes from above with great gray fire. Quickben as Perrin draw a condor and then the mages strike down the beast with a makeshift card. Quickben protects the two from a seer daman and Perrin rushes a condor. Perrin is wounded, sees the shape of a hound and Quickben takes the captain to a healer. Picker sees the landslide that Quickben caused and notices that the other condors left the hilltop and wondered where they went. Perrin wakes up, healed by Mallet, and goes to find Dujek. Enemy soldiers haven't reached the fist. The Panians have retreated, and they suspect it is because Whiskey Jack must be drawing close. Dujek cannot communicate with the others, but plans to march with the Malazans into the city. The Moranth will take Perrin and the bridge burners as close to the keep as they can get. Before sunset, Korlat and Kalor briefly speak about tactics. Orphantal will take his soul-taken form for the battle ahead. The Moranth fly the bridge burners in and see much of the city strangely vacant. Picker has brought hooks and ropes and they plan to ascend the keep, condors waiting for them at the top. In the city below, Picker notices Kachain Chamal traveling towards Dujak forces. Picker and her squad go to try and distract them in the streets. Perrin and the other bridge burners travel to the roof through Crawled Galane and in a battle defeat the demons with the use of Spindle's sorcery. They start to head to a parapet overlooking the harbor. In the distance, Condor's battle with the Moranth. Near Coral, the first sword of the Talani Mass arrives and announces himself. Dujak and his soldiers are in Coral streets and battle has erupted. The Moranth battle the Condors and legions of Panion are coming towards them. 
As the last of his soldiers arrive, Dushek changes his plans to find defensible buildings within the city walls. Picker's squad battles a Kachain Chamal, but it's a brutal fight. Another appears as they begin to run. Tool appears and cuts the beast down. Tool starts towards the keep and Picker and the others follow. On the outskirts of the city, Whiskey Jack's forces arrive. Orphantal will defend Dujak's soldier from the sky. Brood is half a day away. The Grey Sword's closer than that. Silver Fox then approaches the commander, and Corlat is suddenly attacked by Kalor. The High King rushes forward towards Silver Fox, who calls for the Talon Eye, but there is no response. Whiskey Jack then steps into Kalor's path and parries him, but his knee gives way. Kalor thrusts his sword through the man, and Whiskey Jack dies. Kalor is struck down by crossbows, and he is healed by the crippled god and pulled into a mysterious warren. In the aftermath, Corlad is weak, and Silverfox accuses Artanthios of not revealing himself as Tashren earlier. Itkovian marches alongside Gruntel's forces, and they near Coral. And Itkovian nears the Talani Mass and feels a great sorrow. Gruntel is being filled with Trake's murderous intent, but many come to watch, including Silverfox, as Itkovian will embrace the Talon Imaz. So Ange, this is a, a lot of these chapters open again and again with this my temple stuff. So before we get to the really ending dream sequence where maybe it becomes clear with what she is supposed to do in this dream, did you have really any sense of what we were doing in these this temple with these priests and the night of High House Death? And No, I thought that, I, I don't know. I just thought that they were going to like, you know, bury her and just be like, it's better this way. And they just had to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> or use her for some unknown purpose. I had no idea. That was like, that whole, the whole vibe, like everything about her was just so abstract. Like nothing made sense. Uh, this, I would say of, of the three books so far, this is the one storyline that start to finish, I did not know what was going to happen. It just mm -hmm. never, it never felt like I was given enough to know where it would go next. Yeah. Interesting. Which is fine. Like, that's fine. I just, like, it's, like, the only one that I felt that way about. Interesting. I, I do agree with Inge in that, like, it's very, especially in the end with her dream realm and how, like, how she's there. It, it is very... And it's like, is it real? Is it not? She's showing, like, like scars from it. Yeah. It was just so strange. And it was, it's very dreamy, mm -hmm. honestly. It is very much so, yeah. Or nightmare -y. And the thing is, I don't really need to understand it, to be honest. I mean, I'm fine with being somewhat confused. I feel like I went on an emotional journey with her. So, like, mm -hmm. it, like the rules of this dream realm are unimportant to me, you know? Yeah. Her story is my favorite one so far, honestly. Um. All right. And then we follow it up and we go to this hilltop where this huge battle breaks out. You know, this is like the first... You know, all the soldiers descend on the hilltop. The condors come. They defeat some of the condors. They defeat some of the soldiers. And eventually, uh, the, you know, Perrin wakes up. But a huge battle erupts. What do you think about the first, I don't know, kind of true battle here in Coral? Um, so I just want to start out by saying I actually am a fan. This question is more... Like, usually I would be like, oh, my God, that was so boring. I hated this. It was so stupid. But it was it's actually a great, really... Um, it's a great Indian impression. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much. 
Um, She's been working on it, was, it for her whole fucking life. My whole life. <laughs> it was interesting. It was, it was, it gave me anxiety. I loved it. I, at first, I only thought that those, like, there were only, like, two or three of those birds. And then it's like, no, 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 there's dozens. And then it was like, I, and then the ka-chin came out and I was like, oh, how many of those? And they're like, at least 800. And I was like, oh, my God. So it was a lot of anxiety. Um, I loved it. I thought it was interesting. It was well done from what I can, as far as I, it was well done for end. Um, but I'll turn this over more so, I think, to Josh, who would probably have Josh seems like he's chomping at the bit. Well, I just, uh, Indy got thrown two questions in a row. I'm, feel, I'm not feeling the love over here. I, ju- I uh, felt like you were, I, you, I felt like you had popped off about the, the hilltop, but like, please continue, my man. Oh, no, I'm just playing. Uh, what are we talking, we're talking about the hilltop battle, yes? Yeah, yeah. And, the and, only thing know. I care about, the only only thing I care about from the hilltop battle is that Perrin can become a hound of shadow, I guess, or something. I thought he took it out. No, he killed a condor by enveloping himself in like shadow hound magic and like ripped the condor's throat out. I did not know that. I thought that the hound came out of nowhere. <laughs> no. Well, Quick Ben said it's like it's as if a hound came out of nowhere, but then it's like, but it's wrapped around, you know parent or whatever and it's like completely out of left field we did not know parent had it in him so it's very excited i anytime someone gets wrapped in magic that makes them an animal josh is a hype guy although parent does get his whole goddamn face shredded and then just like doesn't care about it which is pretty hard i love this whole hilltop battle i think i just love the giant condors and i think having this I don't know, it's just very... And then the landslide that Quick Ben oh, causes. It's just I very gotta, vivid in my mind, you know? I gotta, I, I want to talk about something. Um, I First off, I was going to say this for later. I did not know in Chapter 1 that Picker would be this super important character that like gives us a lot of great point of views throughout this whole book. But, uh, but she does. But anyway, Picker, I found it really interesting that like we, we know that Quick Ben is an absolute badass, right? Like We've seen many things. But I found it interesting that even someone like Picker, who's been in the squad for quite a while, it flat out is like, does not believe Quick Ben is actually super strong in combat and that has only survived so long by hiding in the shadows behind Whiskey Jack is how he puts it. I think it's Picker. It might be Blend. I can't remember exactly which who says it. But someone in the squad says that right before this battle. And I love that Quick Ben is flat out like, hold my whis- ale, whatever, beer. Quick you know. Ben's MVP in Quick, of this Quick part. Ben is like, Probably the strongest mage we have met so far, maybe barring Tayshrin. Yeah, but like he goes the fuck off on this battle. No, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I agree. It's it's great to see him pop off. He's like a this. bad bitch. I also like he seeing is. him pop off when we aren't his POV, because there's the difference, right? Like when we are watching him, Definitely. you know, in the Corbel Brooch House do his thing. It's kind of like, oh, you know, what's happening before it does. But when you're just like some lieutenant in the bridge burners and you're like and then the whole goddamn mountain crumbled you're just like that's very cool very into it thank you but was it really all just him or his little talamandas oh yeah well talamandas is definitely helping him but like i don't know when quickman makes the first off he makes a wraith and they're just like oh it's okay the panion won't believe it they'll be fine and then like four of their mages get just ripped to shreds by this wraith i was like this is peak fantasy yeah 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 Okay, so then the battle continues and the the Moranth fly them into the city and they're going to like climb the keep and the Kachin Chamale are like traveling throughout the vacant city. 
which I find to be a particularly nightmarish image. And I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I just find the whole setting to be so vivid in my mind of this kind of like bleak, rainy city. And there's like all these forces and in the streets are filled with these raptor monsters. Do you mean? And like there's this great keep with the condors. uh, I don't know. It's just so, ah, it's such great imagery in my head. Like going through this whole section, like in my mind, all of the buildings in the city are like, too tall and stretched like that's how my like because everything is just so dark and like you know creepy that i just like made even the buildings creepy when like in reality i'm sure like it's just a normal city i agree know, all like, the buildings are gothic in my head so yes yeah spires everywhere yeah exclusively um, but like this whole part they are not in the city they are outside of the city correct on the hilltop they're outside of the city but we're now when the maranth bring them into the city yeah and they like kind of see everyone and then they kind of split up as parents gonna climb through and pickers gonna descend into the streets with her squad to deal with the change them all you know when in like when they're in a different spot and pickle will be like go tell dujek this to someone sure sure my thought is like how do they find him in all of this chaos how do they find anyone? Well, later on, they, later on, they don't. It's like pure luck that Dujak's like even saved. Like he like catches, like hangs up with people. I agree. I think a lot of the times they don't find something, someone, which as I was yeah. like, I think, and they even talk about like, so they go in the city, right? Because like, they're like, well, they're retreating. Whiskey Jack might ju- just must be here. Let's pop off. I'm assuming this, you know? Yeah. Right? <laughs> they have such little information before they just go into the city. Which just feels like, you know, there is just not the intra-army, inner-army communication that is going, that needs to be going on. You know, it's quite yeah. frustrating in some ways. Um, and Picker yeah. blames herself, and then Perrin's like, no, it's my fault. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. Where you at? All right, so the, the Picker squad, uh, and she she's battling these Kachain Chamal, and then Tool shows up, because we had mm. this, he was announced himself south of the city and then they kind of follow him for a bit um what do you think about tool kind of saving the day in a way my just oh my god i love tool so much he just seems like such like a bony teddy bear (laughs) it's also very lethal um at what point does he leave though to go save his boy that's like he shows up saves them and then they're like what are you doing he's like i'm going to the keep i got my own thing and they're just like i guess we're (laughs) following him he's he's on a war path yeah well it is true though the safest place for them to be was you know on his coattails whatever they said i don't know but those kachain blah blah blah, blah, things they're like so lethal but then when there's so many of them like i know like it is revealed there's like over a thousand of them at this point it's gotta be right like yeah a ton uh, okay is the matron hatching them yeah from my understanding although actually actually no maybe she isn't i do know there's something about like how there's no males to impregnate her or something i do know there's a limit on it to be honest i'm un- i'm unclear because a lot of them are undead right because a lot of them I are thought. resurrected oh right 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 okay which just makes them all the more like horrifying and disgusting mm-hmm. for sure um all right so at the end of this chapter we come i'm gonna like, pop in here you, I would like to say both of you, who anyone you can take it, but we come to um, the, kind of Calor's betrayal and the, the death shit. of Whiskey Jack on Tuesday, April fourteenth at five fifty-seven p.m. I texted <laughs> Peter and I said, "I'm not saying it in this group in the group chat, but I swear to God, the build-up over the standard bearer is ridiculous, and I'm just waiting for him to either betray everyone or do something incredible. It's killing me. And fuck Calor, he's deaf about to betray Whiskey Jack and probably kill Corlat." 
I texted that literally the page before it happened. Because I was just like, it's going to happen any moment. And I have to let him know that it's very, I know it's going to happen. And it's driving me crazy. So, called it. Fuck Artanthos. Fuck Tayshrin. Yeah. Fuck was, I, was that supposed to be like a big surprise? I think the surprise, which part? The Kalor or the Artanthos? The Artanthos. I think the surprise was going to be who it was. It has been super heavy hinted that he is not just a standard bear. It's it's been hinted at, and as like you could assume, if you went back, you would be yeah. like, "Oh, it was." You know dude. who didn't get any of those hints? Me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. The <laughs> biggest hit. Here's the biggest hit. India, you ready? <laughs> he he is listed in the index of characters very high up, I think, and is just written a standard bearer. And I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. Mm-mm, you don't get to be just a standard bear and get what, and get. what is a standard bearer? You he hold holds the, the flag. flag. Yeah. Oh. Um, that doesn't sound like that's what that is. Everything about this this sequence was infuriating in that like it's so easy for Josh Baker, this third party who's seen all these POVs, to know this is coming, and it's hard to like reconcile that with like what all the characters know. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's no reason this should have happened just based on, like, common sense. But, like, you know, Corlat and Whiskey Jack don't know that Kalor saw the Talani mask moving past him and that's why he went. You know, like, they don't, they don't get to know that he knows Silver Fox is coming and that's why he's there. They don't get to know he made a deal with the fucking gut-chained god, you know? And it's very tough because it's like, I do know that. How dare you not see this coming? Yeah. You idiots. That also, was so sick that whiskey jack sick that whiskey jack is a good enough swordsman to fucking like would have killed him if not for three books of it's just a knee it'll heal eventually blah, 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 blah. i'm whiskey jack yeah man infuriating yeah and how did uh whiskey jack's death hit you man i was so mad and sad oh god that was so fucked it was so, oh, it just it was so fucked fucking oh my god Silver Fox Man. In your three hours of life, you couldn't learn how to defend yourself. You Seriously, couldn't. right? You're like, that what are you useless? doing? The summoner. Well, ugh, I'm pissed. I'm yeah. pissed. I was pissed. I was hurt. I was sad. And then the other, like, we can't even ignore those two people that were with the her. two Marines that helped. Yes. The Marines. They don't even get named. They don't they, even get That's the most brutal part of this book is those two do not get named the entire book. And it's just book. like those two Marines, and it's just Oh my god, and no, and then her. Oh my god, but then her Talane were like, <laughs> she flat out got told at one point though. Like someone I can't remember who was just like, "Hey, but the Talane aren't gonna fucking help you then." Like bummer, bye. I know they were like, "No, bitch, not today." We're pissed. Anyway, that was just a horrible scene. I was so pissed. I was so sad, especially because like the bone had to go through his his leg, which was like. Why did you have to tell me that? Ow, first of all. And then it was like, yeah. he was he was so ready for it. He was going to do it. He like put his leg out. He was going to get him. And then nope, nope, nope. You're also, dead. Hey, Whiskey dead. Jack. Hey, Whiskey Jack. We live in a land with magical healing. At some point, you can take a couple days to let your bone fucking set after being magically healed to full. Like, I know. Like, you what can were you doing when you were just sitting carriage. around? They, uh, they've been traveling for weeks. Just you sit in just a carriage. Sit, in the, sit on the carriage for a little bit. You, you didn't have time for that in your five-day trek. In this essay, I will explain how Whiskey Jack is the dumbest motherfucker I've ever read about. But boy, was he brave. <laughs> I think it's interesting 
to speak about Silver Fox here, and the chapter kind of ends in some way when Ekovian comes towards the Talani Mass, and Silver Fox is distraught about it, how Silver Fox in this last section is a much, is a very sad and alone character, you know? Like, she's kind of, like, burned all of her bridges in a way, do you know what I mean? Would you call her a bridge burner? No. No. Oh, Josh, that was a good one. Yeah, I mean, if the shoe fits, bud. No. Uh, you walked into it. You walked into it, PB. I did. But what I mean, I just think it's interesting that, like, speak, you know, you're speaking about the the, the Marines, you're speaking about the Talon Eye, and then even the Talon Eye Mass, she's kind of lost touch. She, like, in this moment, she even loses them in a way, you know? And it's yeah. just so interesting to see her have everything stripped away from her. And in the r- first half of the book, she's it's so much about her power and kind of her, like, embodiment of it. I just think it's such an interesting ca- turn for her character to take in the second half of the book. I, I want to say, I think it really fits that, like, a big part of her personality is Tatter Sail to Malazan, because, like, I feel like many of these problems stem from the Malazan mindset of, I know what I'm doing. I don't need to explain it all to you. That would just get in the way. You know, you only need to know as much as I decide you need to know. Like, if at any point, because at the end, we see she has these grand ambitions. If at any point she had shared those, yeah, so many things in this whole book would have been averted. Like, loop yeah, a motherfucker like in. Part. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, same thing. I mean, we wouldn't lose. Or also, first off, almost none of this would happen if all Malazans would stop being like, I'm the smartest in the room. <laughs> Constantly. All right, I've got a plan. You were going to pretend. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Yeah, um, we get it. We get it. We get it. Also, this is when Ekovian arrives with his forces. But um, I guess we can speak a little bit more about that later on. So um, here's the deal with the last chapter here. It was it is so long that I decided we're not going to summarize it, but rather we're kind of just going to talk through it through point by point. And if something slipped by, you know, apologies. Yo, hopefully you read it, too, and you already know. Yeah, <laughs> I would really hope so. But listen, we're still going to talk through most of it. We just aren't going to read a whole summary, you know. So uh, AJ, drop a quick beat for chapter 25. Oh, here I got it. Just loop that, AJ. You got it. No, it needs to be. One. It needs to be something you can check that ass to. You know. Oh, give me something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. All right. So at the start of this, we see a little. Well, we just talked about the silver fox and the mime, but this is the first time Itkovian starts to take on some of the memories of the Talan Imas, and they start. And this is the first time we have a sequence of him kind of having those long italicized texts. Josh, what'd you make of that? Very hard to figure it all out, being honest. Yeah, I will say it was like. I have been wondering what Ikovian would be doing for the rest of this book. You know what I mean? Like, because he's wondering the whole time, like, what's my new purpose? Sure. And I didn't see this. I did not see this as what he would be doing. And I, but, but it, it felt like a very natural conclusion to his, to his sort of storyline in this book. And in a lot of ways to the Talani Massa storyline. Yeah. Can um, we all just agree, though, that it was not the best time? 
Those def not the best time. I mean, there was a whole army of ravenous undead Kachain Shamal that can only be defeated by the Talani Mass. Uh, so not a good time at all. There's no time like the present, baby. You know? Yeah. I, so I feel like if Kobe and get in there like swimwear, I got a hard disagree. Are okay. you kidding? Yeah, dude. Oh, no. I was furious. Yeah, not a good... Well, and also, him doing that directly led to Silver Fox dying. Not dying, sorry. Whiskey Jack dying. Well, because, we- like, Silver Fox is... would Like, Silver Fox could have been, like, Talon A. Mass to me. And they would have come and, and said, having to call the Talon A. But the Talon A. Mass are too, are too busy kneeling before their new god. I think that happens after Whiskey Jack dies, though. So I think you're wrong about that. Oh, I could. I could be. Very possible. All Either right. way, there was a lot of, that could have been spared if, if they just, you know, waited fucking 15 minutes. Like, no, we'll come back to to do our, like, little memory thing. We'll come back for it. But, like, let's just go kill these guys really quick. We'll let go of our eternal grief. But, like, give me, like, ten minutes. Like, let me just get a little more before beforehand. All right. In the dreamscape, it is kind of revealed to the mime that Silver Fox crafted it. And we learn more about the origin of it. So what did you learn? How did you feel about kind of learning more about maybe the start of this weird world that the Mive has found herself in. Really glad you asked that. I had like, I was thinking about last night what I wanted to say and I am, and I, and I constructed actually something that I wanted to say already about this part. So do you guys watch Westworld? No, I I watched the first two seasons. Great. Is this Westworld? How do you just create different worlds? How does that work? What does that mean? What is a realm? Are we are they in a different world now? Can anybody go to that world? How is that world allowed? Is it a dream? Is it not? What it, and then they're like burn is burn one of these and then someone says something funny call him really and they're like how many old ladies do you have sleeping in here? <laughs> yeah, it's very good. On the way, on the way out that's like their closing joke. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It was but actually like what is any of the are they in a dream? Is anybody, are we all just, what? Like, what? How do you just do that? And how did she even know how to do that? Yeah, Let's start it's, there. Was it, it Krupa? It was, it was a very bold move to just like, to do all of this for like these, like however long the story has been, they've been working on this idea. I don't know, it was a lot. Cause like, I know that she obviously had said like, oh no, I'm doing something for her. You guys just don't know, like, shut up. You don't know what you've done when they well, took Well, actually, hold on real quick. Did this world already in some way exist because aren't are we not in the beast hold and she said that she stole it so maybe she's just kind of found because even Perrin says that he stumbled across so okay so india high house shadow we have been to there there's a castle right that is their world there's a castle in it with shadow throne it happens in book one uh quick ben visit yes yes in book one uh Perrin kind of sees some stuff with hood right so i guess at this point, we should know that Warrens have a physical manifestation. Oh, and in book two, they, uh, Shadow Throne takes in Kalam and that girl and lets them just kind of chill there with all the kids, right? So I guess we should know that Holds and Warrens can have a physical manifestation. So maybe... So but, can, like, how do you, they can, change your physical body? Mm, don't know yet. Didn't, didn't she turn young in there? She is young. I mean, I guess in those worlds, you could probably just be whatever you wanted to, if I had to guess. Well, that that must be really nice. That must be really freaking nice. Yeah. Uh, is that right, Peter? Like, is she just kind of, like, co-opting the Beast Thrones and the Beast Hold and kind of, like, 
forming it to kind of work better. The Rivi spirits are there too, which I, I do, guess I do think she's in the beast hold. However, why she's young, I couldn't put my exact finger on besides a vague magic. Yeah, that's know? kind of what it felt like. Because magic. Um I feel like this is such an outlandish scenario that the fact that there's even any explanation of anything happening is pretty impressive. I I'm do. very happy though about it. <laughs> oh, it's so, a good ending for her. I do agree. It's on the fringe, but I appreciate, and I know we'll talk about it later, but I do appreciate the my finds piece in the end, you know. But yeah. it's so sad though, because, you know, all this time, Silver Fox, like it just doesn't, like I, I just can't get past, like she had these good intentions and it's so sad that she did burn these bridges, but she really didn't, like she really didn't mean to. She just like was like, no, no, just if you had to just waited a little bit again. Yeah, again, too smart for her own good. Like, let people in. I I agree, but I also don't think her bur bridge burning was unintentional. I mean, I think at the second gathering, she made her intentions pretty clear, you know, but she also OK, but she, she but she regrets them. She go. regretted how she said it, but she definitely from the get go knew that she was only going to take them for a, a, a little bit of time. Do you know what I mean? And then was like, why not tell there? Them. But also just like... borrowing them. All right. Um, in the city, <laughs> Tool comes in and calls Talk brother and frees oh my him. My heart, my soul. Oh my god. <laughs> Me too. I love these brothers, boys. Literally, they are brothers. They are freaking brothers, man. And it's just beautiful. Um. Anyone else have anything to say just besides pure love for our brothers? No, they're great. They're our brothers. You're right. They are our, all of our brothers. We're all brothers. Then outside the keep, Picker and uh, some of the bridge burners are battling, and this is when Hedge dies oh. and uh, explodes uh, near and kills a chain Chamal. Is he a yeah. Bargast? No. No, that's Trots. Trots is the Bargast. Ah, thank you. Hedge, Trots, and Mallet, I think, are the three first book people that we that are not like the big, big players, but are like, you know, the our, our rider dies. Yeah, they're the background soldiers and yeah. I was I was I was pretty beat up that Hedge I mean, cause like we don't see much of Hedge, but he's been there and like he's been really reliable. And of course, like that is it's such a sapper way to go to like fucking throw this bomb at the ground and kill an undead Kashane Shamal in this blaze of glory. Yeah. I was definitely more sad about the, the Trot's death, which comes later on. Oh, but yeah, that one was Yeah, rough. me too. <laughs> so uh, we also see a kind of battle raging with Dujek in the streets. And then we also see Gruntle and his soldiers make a make a tiger. Um, so what do, what do we think about these various armies fighting throughout the city? Josh? I'll take the tiger, and if, if India wants to take Dujak, I want to take the tiger. What an incredibly inefficient <laughs> method of fighting. <laughs> what do you mean, Josh? Well, as we <laughs> saw in Kapustan, they can all just become super powerful fighters. But no, let's become one big unwieldy tiger that every time someone so much as fucking nicks us, dudes get slaughtered. Like, I mean, now listen, pure badass. So, such a cool idea. And you can't even see their bodies in it until they get slashed and fall out dead, which is pretty rough. Um, it just felt like not the greatest choice, you know? When I'm you're fighting ultra-fast undead creatures that feel no pain, and you're like, let me give you this big target. Like, I don't know. I'm just gonna fully disagree. Tigers are cool, and I like Tigers them. are cool. I can agree with that. Yeah. 
I just, uh, I enjoy the Dujek part of the city because I think, and I don't know, I just think him being kind of trapped in a way is very exciting. And it's also interesting to see him in battle since usually he's just so removed from it all. You well, know? yeah, and he, we don't see him fight, though, right? We, like, come to him, and his whole guard's been slaughtered, right? Yeah, yeah, and then he, like, laments their death. Yeah, it's it was interesting. Um, Inge, uh, outside of the city, we find Corlat, who is uh, very sad and um, watching some of the battles go off and also sees her brother in his soul-taken form, and she uh, veers into her own soul-taken form to join him. Yeah, he's getting, he's getting a little fucked up, um, so... It only makes sense for her to turn off her emotions and turn into a dragon and go and help him out, which she does. And I think that's probably very cathartic um, and healthy. So I'm, I'm glad that she took that journey. But yeah, that was pretty cool. I like her as a dragon. I think that she's fun and badass and eats condors. It's tough because I feel like I shouldn't like the turning into dragons as much as I do, because it honestly, it just feels like really low hanging fruit in some way. But no, no. like turning into dragon is are, is cool and you're just not going to talk me out of it, you know? So I like, agree. That's, that's my official stance. Uh, yeah, I, I hard I hard appreciated that. Um, and I just think it's so cute that she's like, oh, my God, I got to go get my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really he just kept tugging on the heartstrings that the familial just oh, my gosh, it was just it's it's been a, it's a tough ending, but it's so good. Josh, uh, inside, uh, we, we, we briefly touch in with Caladan Brood, who's, who's getting closer to the city, but we also find uh, Picker, who is uh, now following Lady Envy uh, I, and Baljag. I think my favorite part of this entire book might be all of the inside the keep stuff with Picker. It's it all, is it's, like, it is start to finish just gripping. Like, you can't stop. I could not stop reading that section. Mm. Um just like they are outnumbered they have no supplies they are all weak humans or a bargast versus like they fought kashin shamal and now they're fighting heavily armored seardomen like it's it is incredible and the moment where the seardomen pop up from behind and lady envy goes oh is this going to be an issue or and and picker goes not for long just that like fatalist humor is just heartbreaking because like Mm. she's not trying to be funny that is picker being like and this is it everyone i know and love dies as do i and it 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 is heartbreaking i mean when you read that yes did you read it that way yes i knew it meant that they were going to get murdered I was on Lady Envy's mindset of like, oh, they ate piece of cake. No, no, I was, I was pretty, I was, I, I think I was one with Picker at that moment. Interesting. I feel I'm more with Inge on that one, but I'm, I'm glad you had that. No, they but were like, so beaten and broken and Detrin just got slashed in half and Trotz has a million wounds. Like, of course they're not going like, to win against. Picker, are you a moron? Because yeah. you see that she, that, that Lady Envy is here and you've, you've seen what, what like a snap of her finger does and you, you couldn't be like, no, 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 back up. Can you, can you help us out? It's so clear that Lady Envy is in this and she's just like, she's like so bored. Like she like doesn't even, that, she's not even like understand. But I think, like that's she, the, I think that's why Picker doesn't say anything. I think Picker is like, I don't know if this woman gives two shits about me. So like, I'm going to try and fight. I don't really so know I'd if I can trust her. So I'd rather not ask at all and kill everyone. I, yeah, I don't, Good I think at that moment. process, Picker. I, I think in that moment, because they have, what, a split second to think about that? I think in that moment, it's about as much as she could to just, like, do one quip and then go to her death. I think, and, and uh, I do think, Inge, you're right in that Lady Envy comes off as 
like completely detached and almost like she's missing social cues about what's going on in the yeah. situation. It's incredible. Yeah. It's so incredible. Um, and this, and Josh, you're right. This is, this is right now when a uh, Dederin dies and they're kind of uh, fight these oh, Seer Domin. I think Mallet has popped back in. I think we're down to what? It's like Picker and Blend. Ma- and I think Blend is knocked unconscious. Um, I think it's I Picker, think Blend, Mallet, Blend is in that Trots. moment. They have to go get Blend. They have to find her at some point, yeah. Oh, we yeah. missed the whole reveal that Blend is like literally been the world's greatest scout because she got some magic stone, I guess. And but then I has, thought that he said she doesn't even the, realize it's been within her the whole time. Yeah, and the it stone like isn't it's, magic. Yeah, it's yeah, like a placebo. yeah. She just believes it enough that she's invisible, and he's like, "Holy shit, she needs to be a mage." Like that's pretty good. I agree, it's pretty good. Yeah, I love Blend. She's cute. They're all cute. Mm-hmm. And then they die, but not Blend. I agree. It is a particularly terrible battle and within it all. Um, and I think it's I think it's clear in this time when why were we follow we kind of followed Spindle and her squad throughout it because like they kind of are they serve a really different function than Perrin and his point of view to mean because because mm-hmm. uh, in this battle and through so much of the book Perrin is so much more commander now where like Spindle really kind of becomes our soldiers in a way you know yeah. I forgot about Spindle. Does he does he live? No. I think Spindle dies, right? I I meant Picker. I said Spindle. Okay, yeah. I think Spindle does die. I think I Spindle remember. does die, which is a bummer. He's got his fucking mom's hair shirt. I can't but, recall if Spindle dies. I don't think well, he I'm does. Well, I'm trying to think about the end when he's like looking in when they're in the in the, yeah. the tavern. I can't I'm looking. Thing. I'm looking. I, I've learned how to use the wiki very carefully. Listen, I have a list so I can Spindle spend. lives. Spindle lives. Oh, Spindle's the one that gets not unconscious, I bet. I think he might be the one that gets Yeah, Spindle does live. Yeah, I see him in the epilogue here. Yeah. Okay, um, so at the top of the keep, talk. Oh, comes Spindle's up. looking for the helmet. Spindle's looking for the helmet the whole time. That's right. Alright, you lost. I sorry, I'm just <laughs> at the top of the keep. Tok, like, impales himself and frees the wolf spirit of uh, Tog. And, like, there's this huge god howl. Like, the whole world kind of takes a beat. Um, so I just it, realized, like, how much more we have to get through because I'm, like, putting this in perspective with the chapter. And I'm like, holy shit, there's so I, much of this chapter. I know, right? So, Inge, what did you, what did you think of Tok freeing this w- ancient wolf god spirit that's in him? Um, Just reading, like, the F... Ugh. I could gag the effort that it took for him to like get up and he's like, and I, and my nub, which was once a foot, I was like, yo, this is gnarly. So, but it was really, um, I was happy when the wolf got out. I feel, I felt, I feel bad for the wolf. I mean, you know, he's like living in a rib cage, whatever. I don't know what it was. I don't really don't know where it was living. Just like inside there. Sad. Yeah. it, it it was just good to get him out. It was I'm I'm happy that he got out. I've I've been wondering for like the last few chapters because like I would say something that I have appreciated so far about uh, Erickson is that like no one is no one is needlessly put through trauma in this book very much. Do you know what I mean? Like occasionally it does happen, but like I this whole time I've been like talk hat like something has to happen from talk like he has to emerge with this. And I was also really hopeful that he didn't continue living in this broken fucking body. So I was very yeah. happy to see he just destroyed himself. Yeah. But when he died, I thought that he died. Well, he did die, but we'll get there. <laughs> like, I didn't think that I'd be seeing him again. I was hopeful so. I would, but I didn't know. Um, I, was, I, was, I was very much like, it would be good. It would be fantasy, all right, if this guy came back. Like, that would be acceptable. And can we just close out the whole wolf section or should we just keep going in order because like he went the wolf went into the world where uh 
Silver Fox made because that's his. Yes. That's his. And yeah, that's Lady the- Envy, no, the Bone Caster, the Panther Lady who comes in, Kalava. lets she lets Banderay. Whichever. <laughs> one of the dogs with the most fucked up names ever. Whichever Baljag. one of them. Yeah, great. <laughs> uh, that, she lets that one in, and I was just like, the whole time I was just like, I mean, are they going to stay separated again? That seems really bad. I was very happy that she's just like, let me just open up the the warring that they're going to. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Here you go. That was yeah, nice. Yeah, that was nice of her. That was, that was who let Sweet. the dogs out. Who, oh. who, who. So Perrin's on the roof and he uh, sees Moonspawn emerge from the bay, bringing both Rain and Corald Galane to the city. Inge, what did you think about the moon being in the ocean here and emerging thus? What the fuck? What the fuck? First of all, why now? Why are you coming out now? Where were you five hours ago? Where were you a day ago? Where is Anamanda Rake? Because he doesn't come out until literally it's all over. And he's like, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have some questions, too, about this one. That was bull. He was he was mo- he was commanding Moonspawn. He's the Why one. Why did it take him? So was he like, uh, uh, yeah, I hear it. But like, well, wait, let's wait. Is it because it's dying? And it's like, it, like, no, like what? What? Here's, here's I mean, my question, happy. Peter. Here's Honestly, my, question, my, Peter. my working theory is that he waited for the most dramatic moment, which is yeah. a very Anamanda Ray thing to do in my now, mind. Now, I, I have a quick follow-up question. So, at what point is it revealed that water is anti-magic? Because apparently, he can just be underwater forever, and that's all it yeah, takes what? for Corlat and Crone to be like, okay, find him. He's gone forever. He's hidden in the ocean. That He's doesn't stop for that. thought magic he waves, so Peter. For that. Unless like, it does. You Unless you're telling me that oceans stop magic tele- telepathy bullshit. I, d- I know. I, I can only. I don't. I didn't. I can just tell you what I read, Josh. I don't have any. What do you want me to do to you? I'm dude? putting I'm, Steve on the hot seat. Yeah. How does the ocean stop Corlat and Crone from sensing him? That like what? Like Corlat's like. Everyone's resolved at this point that like he's dead or just like was like, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not taking yeah. part in this. Or they were like, yeah, he'll be here. He's going to come. He's going to come. He's going to. And he, oh, I, mean, I do want to say I do want to say very, very good that there's a giant storm and everyone's like, he's going to fly out from the storm and Amanda race in the storm. And then it's just like, nah, bitch, I'm in the ocean. No, I'm underwater. How did I get yeah. here? I've been here the whole time. It was it was. I mean, you, you. I. I just feel like you make like a plan for a reason. You know, like you come together. You're all like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. Uh-huh. And then, no, not at all in this book. In fact, everyone had a different plan. And you know what? Maybe had they worked together a little more, they wouldn't all be dead and mourning now. So. Agreed. There's my take. Was, sorry, there's a lot of claps, a lot of peaks right there. Speaking of deaths, uh, inside the keep, uh, Trotz dies as the bridge burners continue to take a toll. He had and his moment. It's fine. Let's go. I'd say I uh, out of I would say the various bridge burner deaths. Trotz is easily the one I am most sad about. Is he the you one know? that smiled and then died? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that he was, was very sad. sad. But I, I accept like <laughs> he's a bar guest. I have to say, Trotz died for me six pages before he died. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, like when he was like mortally. When he was mortally wounded and had killed 20 or 10 men on his own and scared off the other 10. Like, that's when I was like, ah, RIP Trotz. Okay. 
And let me just throw out this hot take. I care much more about Trot's death than Whiskey Jack's death. So I'm Whoa. just. Whoa. Whoa, I'm just going to ask you to Whoa. leave the conversation now, Peter. Yeah. That was Oof, offensive. Boy, I hope you have enjoyed 10 very big books. We'll never <laughs> be back. We cannot recover from this. <laughs> I just, I stand by it. I just. Peter's I find, jaded. I find Trot's very charismatic. And uh, that's just something I've never thought about Whiskey Jack. And that's just something uh, we, we can Whiskey leave it Jack there. Whiskey Jack makes all know? the friends. Peter, he makes all the friends. He makes friends with people who don't even have friends. What do you mean okay. he's not charismatic? How dare you? Yeah, what the okay, fuck, Peter? Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't need to pop off, especially on the day of with Whiskey Jack's death, but <laughs> I, I will, will defend my point, you know. All right, in the keep, this is when Atul and meets up with his sister, Kalava, and we kind of learn more about what Kalava's here and her, like, specific grudge and how she's going to come find the seer and everything. India, what did you think about kind of having these siblings meet in this moment like this? You know what? They they have a rivalry that they just need to get over um, in that moment. And it's just at, at every turn, it's like, well, I'm doing this. And, and he's like, well, I'm doing this. And she's like, well, you should do this. And he's like, well, you should come find me when you're done doing that. And it's like, fine. Like, they're just like, it's just like a very like sibling. I don't know, like, it, they, they just seem it's very like you know in an in a in a sibling way relatable where you're just like on two different paths um obviously maybe i'm not going to kill someone and my sister's going to go into a little weird world but you, it's just they, they they just keep missing each other there's just these constant just like you go your way i'll go my way um but they always find their way back so i think that that's really sweet yeah um, i also i feel a little but i feel a little bummed because like not bummed, I guess. I just feel like Kalava hasn't earned me caring about her that much yet for her for her entrance here to be pivotal in any way. I really like, love... Her actions after this, huge. But till now, I'm kind of like very lukewarm on her. I actually I mean, she, did forget like her whole purpose until the end. Like what well, she even was doing. Same. It's, I completely it, forgot that it was her at the beginning and all that shit. Me too. Me too. It's not really revealed. I mean, and especially since in the prologue, it's not like you would read it and be like, ah, oh, Kalava... Oh, yeah. those Toulons, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because we don't meet her. We don't meet her till she talks with Lady Envy, right? Like, she talks with Lady Envy at some point. Yeah, yeah they, they, but they doesn't meet she talk about it South. again? Yeah. Yeah, and I just, it never hits me in a way. Yeah, no, I I know, I agree. But I do, I don't know. I, the siblings get me, man. What can I say? On the roof, uh, Perrin's up there, and then Kalava shows up, and, like, she's going to, like, ambush them, and then, like, but Moonspawn crashes in to the keep. Um, Josh, what did you think about this decision to ram Moonspawn into them? So you speak? know, again, I mean, Rake's flair for the dramatic is second to none. And what does he mean by Moonspawn's dying? Do you know what I mean? And here's, <laughs> you know what, you know what, let me back this up. I, I had an old truck in high school, and do you know what I never thought to do? Just fucking crash it into a mountain. Crash it into something big and, and strong. You know, I've ne I was never like, all right, baby, you got one more ride in you. Because ah! that's exactly We're what going he out does. in a blaze of glory. He's just got Ride of the Valkyries just like in the background. And he's, but also, can I say my favorite thing about this is nothing about Moonspawn has ever described as fast. So I just only imagine it just really slowly like and like a small pigeon is just like passing it on the side, like going way faster. That's very funny. I agree. That's actually so true. It like slowly just slides yeah. into it. They could all move out of the way. No one does. 
Yeah, it was definitely a choice. I don't know if it was good or bad, I guess. We'll find out, maybe. All right, in the streets, Gruntle is fighting with Stony, and then Corlat is helping clean up some of the remaining troops as kind of the battle is, is kind of turning our, our the forces way. And along, the high ma- uh, the, the mot irregulars are helping. Um, They're so funny. The mot- okay. I do want to pop in real quick and say this is this is the only moment in this book that I'm I'm truly like there's no reason. Why are there's, you here? There's no reason for them to be here other than it is the funniest fucking thing that you are here in this moment. I agree. They're like comic relief. I suppose you could cut them, but you know, I enjoy their presence. Are they so. really dumb? No, I they... think they're geniuses in their own way. But do they really like talk like that? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. They talk like that. I like that though so that they're funny. just like, "Where are the trees?" You know, I'm just. <laughs> we think we're gonna leave because we're getting kind of bored, and when we're bored, bad things happen. What's the Bull like, Brothers quote about them on the on the walls? Like that's that's peak Mott irregulars. And then in the dreamscape, and uh, uh, we find Silver Fox, Tok, and the Mibe. And this is when the Mibe agrees to let Silver Fo- uh, let Tok's spirit go. And, you know, it's kind of the ending scene for her and, and this last moment in the dream space. So I really enjoyed having this last moment of peace with her. And um, I just think it's such a, I don't know. I like her storyline so much. It's one of my favorites of the book. Josh, what did you think about the ending of the Mibe story? Um... I mean, if you told me when I met her that this is how it would end, that I like it's such a incongruous path to this. And it's I kind of like that about it. Like, it it makes no sense that we got here. But like, I'm very happy for this character who has done nothing wrong the entire book besides be really sad that she's very old and her daughter hates her. And so it was a very nice reward, I guess. Yeah. Inge, what did you think about, and we also learn more about uh, how, how it was kind of created in this way and what's what's going on with uh, Talk too. Um, what did you, you think about this ending for her? Um, okay, so I have mixed feelings. Like, yes, I'm happy, whatever, that she's there. That's great. But I was really hoping, and I guess like, and I also want to add, I, I have so many questions around this. I was really hoping for some kind of like, recon- like reconciling between them, and that yeah, never right? comes. I'm really and bummed so, they haven't talked still. And she even says, like, oh, my God, because I, I didn't know she was there, Peter, because I thought that she's like, can you guys bring Silver Fox here so I can talk to her? But that never happens. She's she she's on that. She's in that world at some point talking with the Talani Mass, like their spirits, I think. But she does not want to go speak with the Mibe yet. Yeah, I think she speaks with the Rivi. I don't think she speaks yeah. with the Mibe. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Right. So, I wish then, she but, did, though. But the Mibe does say that she wants her to bring her there. They want. She wants to talk to her. I just, oh my, I just feel bad in that way. But it's like, you know. I hope, I hope that she gets to see her eventually. I don't know. It's tough. Hey, actually, quick like, question though, Pete. Can I, can yeah. I pop in with a quick question? Yeah. So, oh, I think I answered it in my own head. But, so the Mibe is not going to go through Hood's gate because Silver Fox made a deal with Hood. Yes. Right. And that's why the, 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 the night of sleep. death is there. Right. So is that yeah. the, that the play? Okay. Now, is that... Because, like, they're hint- in the Temple of Hood. Is that hinting that if the Talani Mass make their final resting place that world, that they, too, aren't going to really die? Oh, second question. This is the big one. Disregard that one. The Talani Mass that we see here, is it really them, or is it their memories? 
because this world is created off the like their memories being rained down from Etkovian. I think the people we see are, from what I understand, are supposed to be reflections of the memories that are now being harbored in this realm. Because okay. this is the, yeah, it's going through Etkovian at this point. So it's not the actual, like, Talani Mass never, like, vanish, go into that world and come back. They're, like, kind of still on the mortal plane, but they're, like... Yeah, because at the end, they're gonna, you know, tr- They go, have to go do their thing. Yeah. Save their, their kin. Yeah. Okay. Um... Well, speaking of which, we now come to uh, Itkovian's death, and uh, I have a great his great quote, which I will read in a second. But, um, India, what did you think of this final scene for Itkovian, where he kind of takes on all of the suffering of the Talani Mass? He had, like we read all these memories of these various uh, people, and then um, he dies. Um, I suppose that I should feel like wow, but I don't. How, um, how I just dare feel sad. You? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I just am like, okay, that was sad, but he died. Like, yeah. that, I mean, like he was a great character, but like I'm not like super attached to the death. There, I said it. Sorry. Wow, brutal. Josh, what did you think? Uh, in this specific part of the death of Itkovian, I thought it was really fitting that he just kind of dies, and as I think it's hinted that he just kind of goes through Hood's gate. Just he's just a dude. Yeah. And I thought that was like very Edcovian of him, you know? He never once treats himself as something more than just a man. He's a very humble dude. Yeah. We humans do not understand compassion. In each moment of our lives, we betray it. We know of its worth, yet in knowing we then attach to it a value. We guard the giving of it, believing it must be earned. Compassion is priceless in the truest sense of the word. It must be given freely, in abundance. Yeah, that's it's that's beautiful. That's yeah, that's really nice. It is really beautiful and somewhat a thesis, you know, for for the series in a way. And and um, I just uh, I love the message, and I think, you know, Steve just wants everyone to love each other, you know, and yeah. like the other day, Steve wrote that kid. And- yes. Steve just wants us to like understand each other's pain and like that's uh you know very you know much love you know and I think I love this sequence and reading all those memories again this time where it's very moving for me I was particularly moved the first time I read it and and the second time through I was not let down by this passage so it was uh, uh I love my son at Covian yeah, he's wonderful are we we're now we're only talking about his actual death yet not right not the memorial right uh, I mean, you can add to it if you want, Josh. I cried openly at his memorial. Tell me it more. Was, I thought it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever read in my life. Just like this army of people just dropping off trinkets, like whatever they felt like they could give him. I, I just loved it. I thought it was incredible. Mm. I'm glad you had that moment. I, I think you mentioned you cried twice during the ending. I'll get to the second one. We haven't gotten there yet. Okay. This was the first time. And keep in mind, that was my allotment of tears for the for quite some time. You were all worked up. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, Inge, you mentioned earlier, uh, Cole and Murillo have this final line about how many sleeping old women are there or something. So good. Um, Loved it. And this is kind of our last moment seeing them. Um, what do you think about kind of touching in with them? And they kind of uh, emerge into a different role here in the end, but and then they kind of end out. What, so what do you think about seeing them? I really like them. I think that they're such they're such good guys. They're so sweet. And they really did care about what happened to the Mibe. And um, uh, I don't know. I just think that I don't know what's next for them. 
honestly. But you know, it was nice to it was nice for them to to see them again after seeing like what happens to the Mive. Um, do they know exactly where she went? I think they have a vague idea at best, is my impression, which I think is kind of funny. Well, you know, hope to see him again. That's all I got. True. All right. Josh. They really did, sorry, avoid a whole war, though. They avoided a whole damn war. They did, which is like good on them, you know? I know, right? Damn. All right, Josh, to you. So this is uh, when we come to Perrin and assorted people come to mourn, where they're with the seer, they're with Kalava, Quickben, Talamandus, and we unpack some of the seer's trauma. We free... Uh, the sibling and like there's this whole climax so what'd you think about kind of disarming the seer so to speak i like i thought it was really cool um i don't think a lot of hmm, most villains that get redemption get it through their death and not many have to live long enough to earn it and i thought Mm. it was really interesting that this character who has been for a large part of this book just like irredeemably evil is now being tasked to like live and change your ways truly and redeem yourself i thought that was cool i was pissed i wanted him to die so bad (laughs) you wanted him to die in gia so bad so bad he deserved deserved the worst of deaths i was so pissed that's when i texted you guys and i was like guys I'm fucking livid. I was livid. Livid. Oh, my, oh God. my God. That is so incredible. Take him down. You want to be reunited with his sister. Do you not yeah, have... Take the sister out, put her with the foster, and kill the crazy brother. Wow. Raise her yourself. Have a little compassion, Inge. Literally? No. No. No, no, no. <laughs> Inge. I was so mad and then and then and then he had the nerve and sheer audacity to say to Kalava I I don't forgive you you who unknowingly accidentally and then didn't come back to get you when she really didn't even need to try to save you to begin with even though she failed miserably I don't forget and then she was like and I don't forgive you and I was like good say that back don't forgive him psycho oh my god so angry oh livid I mean, what do you think, uh, Josh, about Kalava's kind of inadvertently setting this all off in a way? I mean, I guess it's I guess it's fitting that she started it and then is the one to end it. Um, I'm a little upset. Like, I think like India is saying, like, I mean, it's been quite a while, Kalava. No other options. Didn't couldn't think of anything else. I think she just really probably like it's like, you know, when you I guess she was avoiding it, maybe, (laughs) you know, when you damn a child to eternal suffering and you just kind of forget about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just something else came on my plate. I got a little yeah, busy. I got a little, got too busy. You have to go find your brother. Afterwards, they go uh, t- into Burns Warren and like the, the Jagat use Amtos Philak to uh, somewhat postpone Burns damage. Cool it down. Cool down a little bit. I gotta say, I love that Perrin is drawing doodles that are like magic doodles because of his card powers i think it's so goofy in a way yes yeah, I like yes it too. yes quick ben's like hey draw a picture of that and he like scribbles <laughs> okay he does it really badly <laughs> too <laughs> like i exclusively imagine them as bad drawings of course well they yeah, say the first sorry. time that it's like very like very crude and he's doing it to the ground without a finger like yeah it's gonna be bad 
Yeah. Okay. 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 Out. Out. Uh, I think outside is when outside of the city is. This is when we kind of have Itkovian's uh, funeral. Maybe not yet. I think. Uh, I think oh, so. The Imperial Enclave show up, and they're gonna like. Uh, there's gonna be this negotiation, including Animanda Rake. Um, it's just, Josh. It's just. What's your big sigh? It's just stupid. All right. <laughs> I don't care the fuck this dude is who gets off a boat. I won't like him. He will never be my real dad, okay? <laughs> Whiskey Jack is my real dad, and you're never going to replace a man who steps off a ship from the Malazan Empire. Also, also, we can talk across goddamn oceans and negotiate a navy to land within an hour of a battle, but we can't talk five miles apart and be like, hey, wait. The whole army is like six hours away if you just don't attack, Dujek. Ugh. I feel like, though, this is like real evidence towards Caladan Brood being 100% correct, and Cal are somewhat, too. Because earlier in the book, they're like, well, if we just conquer the city, Malazan's just going to say it's their city and, like, expand their empire there. And, like, 100%, like... The battle's barely over, and all of a sudden they're like, "All right, this dude's governor. <laughs> yeah. this, this is our uh, tr- comptroller." <laughs> Real quick, I do want to say, I I have a question, and Peter cannot answer it, and I know that, but that's fine. In book one, India, I'm going to ask you this question: hmm. Did you feel like the Malazan Empire was evil? Yes. Do you feel less so now? Yes. It's very strange because I feel like <laughs> it, I feel like I'm gonna end up like i'm gonna end up being on team malazan eventually and i really think that that is it's strange considering that like book one sets you up to immediately hate them i feel like because you like the bridge burners now because you like the bridge burners yeah and now and now i feel like i'm slowly and even Amanda rake who has been who literally starts the first book off by murdering all of the mages and like killing all these people at pale even he's like are they so bad i mean look they bring order they don't quash religion you know they just kind of Make things a bit more uniform. Just make things better. It's yeah. not bad. It's not bad. Oh, it's what he's saying. But, but also, but it's, it's, it, it, I, uh, you know. Yeah, imperialism know, is not great. We can all say that uh, imperialism is bad in many, many ways. But maybe they're not the worst? I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to think that way yet. Like, in three books, I could find out that actually they're the worst. Why don't we talk about that Finnist thing? Because, like, what is that and what is that? The Finnist is... Okay, Jack Yeah, we did, we did kind of fi- gloss over it. Jack Huts can manifest their power or something with a Finnist. It's like in the book one, Race is looking for it. And if yeah, he gets yeah, them the or that ache, if he gets it, he's, like, ultra-powerful. And so I guess this Jack Hut made his out of a Kishane Shema matron. So I guess there's no rules. Hey. Yeah, he made it into an egg. Yeah, it's an egg. I mean, interesting that that's what they're using. I hope it doesn't feel pain. Again, it really feels like we make some bold assumptions. What doesn't feel pain? They put the egg in the rift that has been causing that little girl untold pain for eons. I mean, it's just an egg, you know? Yeah, we hope, right? Like, we don't know what's in the egg. It could just be an egg. Okay. (laughs) True. (laughs) All right, that's all I was wondering. I thought that, then what did they do with the dragon lady? What's her, she's not a dragon. Kachain mama? The matron. She, uh, she gets crushed to death, doesn't she? I think oh, so. Oh, did fall on her. It oh, did. she falls. She falls from the top of the of the keep and dies. That's right. Um, what did you two, uh, next what happens, Tok wakes up in the body of a Naster. And uh, how'd you two take this? What, did, what, did, what was your thoughts when this happened? It made such sense as soon as I as soon as I was done reading and processing it. Like, didn't think that was... Yeah, right? Like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. That's why... 
And then, oh, okay, cool. But like, if you had asked me four chapters ago why it was important that an aster was alive and empty as a shell, I wouldn't have been like, well, it's for Talk the Younger Spirit to swoop in after he sets the tog free. Obviously. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. I, well, at first, like, I had like a, a dumb moment because Grendel, I think it starts with like Grendel being like, and that guy's the new mortal sword. Yeah. And I was like, what? They well, gave him like a title? I, I didn't knew. Know Talk I knew Talk the Younger was going to be the mortal sword of Tog forever ago because they mentioned that he's to the south and the only mortal we've met to the south that isn't a Sagula is Tog who has got some wolf shit going on. So I knew that, but I would all, as soon as his body got broken for a bit, I thought he was going to get broken into the shape of a wolf baby and he was just going to become a wolf man. I really wasn't sure. Mm. Uh, it makes more sense for his body. I guess this is a sense I'm about to say. I guess it makes more sense that instead of that, he kills himself, frees the soul of the wolf and then gets his soul put back into the shell man. And frees his own soul. Really? Yeah. yeah. That makes more sense than the alternative. <laughs> What? Yeah, that was that was confusing at first, but then once it made sense, I was like, oh, thank God he's not dead. I was oh really, I know. Talk the Younger has been on quite the journey. Yeah, man, he should be messed up. Also, is he going to tell people his name's not an Aster? Because Gruntle calls him an Aster like seven times, but his internal monologue calls himself Talk, you know, like. And then somebody, and then it's like an, an Aster dash Talk, like, yeah, to tell us. I don't, I don't know, want him don't to be an aster now. I want him to be talk still. Yeah, I know. What a nasty, like, ugh. Also, what a hint early on when an aster loses an eye. I guess we should, like, I guess that was the hint. Can I just confess something to you? Yes. Please. An aster is one of the few characters in the series who I unquestionably imagine as hot. So that is just... What? what? <laughs> oh, no. For me... Oh, me too. I don't, as I... Don't I say he's, like, extremely handsome? <laughs> As I have said, I almost never imagine what characters look like. But neither, I neither do I, but for some reason, Anastor's, uh, I don't know. Anastor is a hot man with no I, face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to me, he has like gray skin, you know, like really pale. That's nah. what I've always but imagined. like in a hot way. No. <laughs> Not in a hot way. But like a hot gray. <laughs> yeah, hot gray. <laughs> All right. Um, so Silver Fox uh, then speaks with the Talani Mass who are in a better mood since they have their memories and they're all going to go together to go find their kin on the southern continent. Um, Indy, what do you think of this ending for Silver Fox here? You know what? The girl wanted a family. So go find your kin, girl. Oh, go rescue them and then have no family when you set them all free. I didn't think about that. That's kind of nice in a way. My only thought was, hello, book five. Um... So, Josh, uh, and the, the, we do touch in with Picker at the end as she kind of sees some of the fallen bridge burners. And then uh, she also sees Lady Envy speak with Animander oh. Rake. And this is where I'm going to read my second quote of the night, which I think is just an all time great. I don't know. This is just the shit I'm I am here for. Animander Rake finds Lady Envy and says, had I known you were within the keep, Lady Envy, I would have brought Moonspawn all the way down. Which, which is just some next level petty shit. You think the, it's very good. I just I love exes. I love <laughs> good banter between exes. Are man. they exes? <gasps> yeah, they're they exes. Be. They've gotta be. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's very good. And she calls him lover. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the best kind of toxic. I love it. I just it's so funny that 
I don't know. I just can't get over that the Son of Darkness is like a super warrior, but also just sitting around insecurely insulting his ex. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's very good. It, and she's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, that was, I loved I loved that entire back and forth. It was it was incredible. And she's just so just like, ha ha ha, whatever, like trying to be. Oh, my God. It was it was it was fantastic. I loved it. I agree. Love it. Live for it. I'm here for Agreed. it. Mm-hmm. I hope that it happens again. OK, so then, Josh, that's when we do the Ekovian and Gruntle goes and leaves his torques there. And he tells Treach that the god has to learn to live with loss. Mm. Um, which I think is a great capstone for his character's journey and kind of a renunciation of the type of pain that causes so much of the trouble throughout the books. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's it's a very touching, just like everything about this. I mean, I cried terribly. Uh, so very good. I Again, I do want to say I think Gruntle is it's such a cool thing to have this mortal sword not give a fuck about his god. Yeah. Like, very good. And also being in respect of a man who cares everything for his god, even when his god almost does nothing for him in return. Like, it's it's very strange seeing those those two characters be so bonded. India, what did you think of Ikovian's funeral here and uh, Gruntle kind of laying down his name as Mortal Sword? Um, yeah, that was... I, he got a really, really, like, elaborate death, which was nice. It's just an interest. It's just... Okay. Why was I, I just don't know why I wasn't as connected to the character as like everyone else was here. Cause like you were so moved, Josh, Peter, he's your son. And I'm just like, that was sad. Like that was my thought. I mean, That's how I felt. I mean, it's fine. You don't need to. Yeah. It's, I just wonder like, uh, what did I miss? I don't know. But, uh, having a heart, um, compassion for other people, something like that. Yeah. I'm probably just missing like that missing part. Like, you know, that part that makes people compassionate. But that's fine. It was no, it was sad though. It was really nice. Um, I love I love Grundle and his little relationship that they built. And um, I didn't under like. What do you mean laying down the mortal? I thought he kept he he has the title. Uh, he gave up the torques and kind of leaves them with Ikovian. Oh well, that's nice too, I guess. What are torques? They're like uh, the, the rings that Picker and Blend bought in the very first chapter, and they got tighter and tighter on her arm. Those things. Oh. Yeah. Did, when did she take those off? She gives uh, Gruntle him, took them off for her. Yeah, and she gives yeah. them to him after Kepistan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, really sweet of him. Loved it. All right. Um, afterwards, Perrin uh, recounts some of the soldiers, and then uh, he and Quickben go to Moonspawn, which is kind of being left out in the ocean after it's been destroyed. And it's kind of going to be this tomb, and uh, together they see all the dead bridge burners. This was the second time I cried. Yeah? Tell me about it. I just thought it was really... Everything about it was just, like, really beautiful to me. Um, and just also just so tragic. Like, Perrin and, and Quickben, in doing what is right for the entire world, like, they get cheated out of that mo- that moment that they're supposed to have. You know, like, this guy meant so much to both of them. And they don't get to share that moment with everybody. And I, I felt really bad for them. And so it was, it was definitely nice that they got their chance to go pay their respects. And also, I think the other reason I cried was that the Marines are literally put at the highest honor with Whiskey Jack. Like, these two unnamed people we never learned their names and they are treated with just as much respect because like of their because of their actions not of anything else you know yeah yeah really great oh and then quick ben saying the name of everyone there oh my god my heart was just yeah, fucking was ripped out of that my chest so sad. 
And I feel, and Perrin, I think, feels so much guilt even leaving that like he couldn't be there with them and, and yeah, and that he couldn't, and he couldn't, he would have rather die with them than be in the moment, be where he was like leaving in that moment, which was so sad. I feel so bad for Perrin because the dude is undeniably doing his best and honestly doing pretty good. And he never lets himself feel that way. He always feels like he's a piece of shit and could be doing more. I feel so bad for I him. I wonder if there's therapists there. Uh, I believe I the two of you earlier <laughs> in this book were telling him to get over his feelings and like bullying him about it. So Peter, I, this is not the Peter. This listen, is not the time. This Peter, is different, Peter. We are, Peter. Peter, we are in mourning right now. This is not the time. <laughs> Please do not talk to us like that. Okay. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> as our ending for Gruntle, um, he once again encounters Corporal Broach and Botulin, and then he uh, meets him and Stony meet and uh, meet up with Tak and Aster, and they kind of all share a drink together. India, what do you think about Gruntle's ending here? Um, I just, I mean, it was fine, but like, why them? They're all just hanging out. What do you mean? I don't know. I guess it was just like a fine ending then. Like, I don't have any like super positive thoughts or felt any super important way about it honestly see it's tough for me because i feel like gruntle's story really ends when he like puts the torques in a covian's thing Mm -hmm. so this is kind of almost like a button in a way i don't know if you guys feel that way like it it didn't really mean much i would say this did not mean much to me the moment with with tool meant way more to me with with a a talk and aster than the gruntle stani thing yeah, yeah. Me too. Oh my god, that was the Which, best. Which, by by the way, so d- does Tool have a body, or did yeah, Kalava just give him a body for a moment, like the illusion of a body? And he seems attractive. He oh, has. Oh, a, he- oh, in that moment, I was like, Tool fucks so much. <laughs> tool, Tool has a body. Yeah, yeah. How, um, how? does he get a body? Um, you know. To be honest, no. But because the rest of the Talani mass don't, right? No, no, no. Then that makes no sense, and that's not fair. Yeah. No, listen, I am sure there's a reason, and I'm just like, it's like Writing going it down on. for Steve. It's go. Listen, someone tweeted us. Uh, I Please, mean, it's just or in the Discord. Someone, someone clear it up. It's going on so late for me. I just, I don't have it on on my mind. I did, I loved this moment. And I love that we see it from Tool's perspective and kind of just like a end talks perspective. And he's so confused about it. And it's just this passing moment. And it's just so beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah I just have, I don't know. I just love it, it was so beautiful. much. It was it was it was so it was so nice. Oh, I loved it. We get our last Golden brother before this. Before that, we actually had our last check in with Perrin uh, in this chapter. And we hear about uh, the bridge burners, uh, uh, the, the, what the Trigal Trade Guild are doing. And then we also hear that the army is going to go. Uh, Dushek will take his army to seven cities to reinforce Tavor. Yeah. Um, and they give their farewells as many of the bridge burners will go to Darujistan. That, um, was, that was nice. With their money, honey. Yeah, du- and Dujek's just like, fuck off, leave. Do not come back. Very, very forceful about that point, which was nice. Yeah. But more importantly, uh, what, what, Josh, what do you think about them going off to seven cities as Dujek's army's next location? I like. I feel so bad for the 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 the, the like normal Malazan soldier. Do you know what I mean? Like they've just traipsed across this whole goddamn continent, and now they're mm-hmm. getting on a ship and mm-hmm. going to a desert to to fight a, a rebel desert army. That is also led by a literal manifestation of a whirlwind. So, like, 
Doesn't seem very fun. That's for sure. And that was a savage army, too. They were wild. Yeah, they fucking crucified an entire army. So and children. Yeah, not fun. I don't I feel kind of bad. I and also my other question is like what at the end of book two, like uh, Tavor has a big army like Dujek's not got tons left is are they going just to give some experience like to give Dujek's like experience in command because if so leave the rest of the Malazans here just send Dujek mm, interesting well listen I guess we'll find out now won't we yeah <laughs> and then uh, we keep checking in with our last people before the chapter ends we see our last scene of Lady Envy as she heads south with the uh, Segula India, mm-hmm. what do you think about saying goodbye to Lady Envy here? I'm depressed. I love her. Um, is she taking, but she says that she's taking them home. Is she actually, or is she just taking them to her house? Who knows? What's home? Yeah. The Segula have a home for sure. Yeah, exactly. But is it their home or is it her home? Like, what, is she just, she's never letting them go. She's so, she has uh, attachment issues. I hadn't thought about that's that. Okay. I, I assumed I would see Lady Envy again. I did assume I wouldn't see the Segula again, but I guess you're right. Like we could, we could easily see her just like carry them, like tr- drag them along. Oh, we didn't she even. There's no one else. We didn't even mention the Segula when Mock battles. Uh, t- t- finally gets to dual tool and is like um, definitely gonna win, and then gets panthered from the side. Yeah, I love when that when that happens. And that panthered. just and that just goes to say, I'm just like preemptively apologizing. I know we missed stuff in this. I'm not gonna let it pass. Uh, we're back to Josh's corner. Uh, it's entitled Josh lists every character who fucks. Uh, Hitan <laughs> and Tool definitely fuck at the end because I guess so. <laughs> yeah, the ch- this chapter ends with Hetan eyeing up Tool and like that's the end of this this part here. Which I actually think is useful for me because I wasn't positive that Tool had a real body and it wasn't a facade. Until this moment when I was like, I guess he has a full fucking flesh and, and bone body back. Mm-hmm. Flesh and bone, am I right, India? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. All righty. Let's briefly discuss the epilogue. I don't have a summary for it. Let's just tack it on. We're yeah, good. We don't Can't need we it. just say, like, one thing, and it's that guy whose name I can't... Diker? Duiker. Duiker's here. Very sad. Let me... I got it. So Perrin's in Darugistan. He speaks briefly with Raced about the people in the Finnist house. Oh, yeah. He he uh, he leaves, uh, gives money and to wait, a And those, those two people are Ralik Nam and the leader of the Assassin's Guild, right? Yes, Vorkan. Okay. Leaves, gives money to a weird beggar, and then goes to the uh, the tavern that the bridge burners turn Kroll's Belfry into a tavern where Imperial Historian Duker tells this story of uh, the Coltane and the Crow Clan. What you guys think of this small epilogue in Durugistan? I was so stressed with the weird beggar. I was waiting we for him. We all know who that weird beggar is. Don't be stressed. <coughs> do I'm sorry, do we? Yeah, yeah, it's the crippled god. Yeah. What? Oh, I did not get that. He's wow. like a coffin. That is two for end. That is two for it. I did not get that at all. I was waiting for that the beggar to like pull out a dagger and just fucking shiv Perrin. I was really stressed. I did. I gotta reread that. That changes a lot. I'm gonna have to reread the epilogue after this. <laughs> no, it's definitely the crippled god. Wow, that's um, cool. He's well, out, man. He's no more the chained one. Well, so there we go. That's that's the ending. Well, 
Why was race being so weird too? What do you mean? I I like, love race. race weird, to, it, I love that race is like a funny guy. In this yeah, movie. yeah. But he was like so weird. Why was he wearing a helmet? Like why he was has he- a cat. <laughs> he's just look. He's just trying to get used to his new life. He's got to get home. He's got to make it his his home. He's building a new life for himself. Yeah. All right. Fine. Whatever. I will say, and, and I would love to hear your two thoughts, because I'm sure we'll do bigger picture thoughts at, on the wrap up show. But I guess I've probably come to have some qualms with like the length of these books or sometimes just how long we're spending doing things, you know? However, however, you know, an ending like this and this final chapter, I think is like such soaring and thrilling storytelling that like cannot be accomplished without like an incredible amount of runway up before it. I mean, the amount of things that go on in this finale and just how incredible it is to read about so much of the payoff of all these different storylines and these different types of catharsis that come from like Tool and then come from Talk and then come from McCovian and it just comes from all these different angles and I don't know. It makes it feel like all that time is justified in a way. So I, I, I feel like in a book like this, I do feel like the ending is is so redemptive in some way of all the work you put into it in a way. India, what did you think of the ending of Memories of Ice? Okay. I'm going to say this one time and one time only. I loved this book. <gasps> it was fantastic. I literally would like gasp and giggle at things like out loud be like, oh yeah, like really like feel like I was like truly enjoying reading this book. I read it all day yesterday, um, partially because I was also trying to watch Shit's Creek at the same time, but I literally couldn't put it down. Like it, that ending, that chapter 25, although it was four hours on the audiobook, which I did not listen to, I read it. It was just, it, 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 it told a whole story in a chapter. And it was it was ridiculous. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Josh. Uh, I mean, I I was blown away by it. I would say probably the single best like ending sequence of a book I've ever read. Agreed. Um, like India said, like that. I mean, chapter twenty five is a fucking novel in and of itself. I um, fully agree. I mean, it's just yeah. Bre- uh, yeah, I it's it is it is an achievement to have that many threads go through a book and 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 neatly tie. I would literally tie it up so perfectly at the end. And like, it made and, no and sense. No, oh, I would say pretty much nothing felt unsatisfactory to me. Like it all felt like, yeah, this feels like how it would end. I like this. Steve yeah. fucking sticks the landing here. He does. He, he does he in a did. major way. He, the only thing that made me sad, which I feel like was done on purpose though, but I want to ask is like the whole ending with Silver Fox and her mom. But I feel like just, Silver Fox just feels like she can't until it's all said and done you know what i mean like she like she cannot talk to the mob until she feels like she can like look her in the eyes and say i think this was worth it now (laughs) you're welcome yeah i hope i would hope she starts with i'm sorry but (laughs) all right everybody well we appreciate you sticking with us i know it was a super long episode but we wanted to Uh, kind of do something special for the end of this book that being said, of course, we're not done with Memories of Ice yet. We'll have a mailbag and wrap-up show that'll come out soon. Um, so make sure um, over the next two weeks you send in, I mean, what did you think of Memories of Ice? What did you think of the ending? We would just love to hear your thoughts about the book and any questions you have for us. We really love putting those mailbag shows together and... Um, uh, 
that'll that'll be the next episode and then throughout uh the the weeks after it we'll probably have some more special episodes on the way and eventually we'll get to house of chains but um honestly there there's nothing more to talk about now it's so long send us a mail and we'll talk to you in the next episode Hello everyone, producer AJ here, slowly but surely recovering from the ending of this incredible book. Uh, Like last episode, I have some thoughts and some moments I wanted to highlight, so let's just dive right in. Uh, There were probably several moments that the gang missed in this monster of an episode, but one thing I cannot let skirt by uh, is when Gruntle and Edkovian are talking with Emancipa Reese in chapter 21, and he speaks with an incredible impediment uh, that we discover was because he bit down too hard on an olive pit. (laughs) This moment is just absolutely hysterical, but it also shows what kind of person Idkovian is. Uh, Gruntle, at the end, tells Idkovian that he expects Reese to be upset with Idkovian for telling uh, Buckling about the broken tooth. Quote, sometimes the cure is worse than the disease, uh, and Idkovian just does not understand how helping someone could actually hurt. Uh, it just shows that Idkovian constantly sees the best in everyone, including these literal necromancers. Uh, I also just wanted to uh, read that quote that Josh brought up in the final chapter, uh, the High Marshal speaking with Caladan Brood. Corlat watched the man salute and heard him say, High Marshal's stump, sir. Mott Irregulars. About that order. What order? Brood snapped. The man's smile revealed long white teeth. Never mind. We were there. You see, where? Uh, this side of the wall, east of the gate, sir, and there was mages up top. The Bull Brothers didn't like that, so they roughed him up some. Ain't none breathing anymore. Anyway, what do you want us to do now? Caladan Brood stared at the man, expressionless, and then shook his head. I have not a clue, High Marshal Stump. The man from Mott nodded. Well, we could put out some fires. Go to it, then. Yes, sir. <laughs> Moment, moments like that and the moments like the Emancipatrice moment earlier throughout this book really show that uh, Erickson understood that what we're reading a lot of the time in this book is just like really, really terrible. And he wants to give us a little palate cleanser to remind us that the world isn't going up in flames everywhere. Uh, and finally, uh, I just wanted to share uh, the one one of the scenes that made me cry in the final chapter. Uh, anytime Edkovian had a scene, I was just truly a puddle. Uh, but the one moment that impacted me the most, I think, was Idkovian's second to last scene, I believe, when he finally uh, takes in the Talani Mass's uh, sorrow. Memories gone. In their wake, tens of thousands of souls. Silent. To me, then, I will take your pain now. You are mortal. I am mortal. You cannot carry our pain. I can. You cannot deliver it. I shall. Itkovian, your pain, Talanimas, now. It rose before him, a wave of immeasurable height, rose, towering, then plunged towards him. And they saw, one and all, they saw Itkovian's welcoming smile. Huh. <laughs> I'm just like crying uh, all over again reading that now. Uh, I don't even really know what, how to express my feelings about it. Uh, Kovian is just one of the most incredible characters that I have ever read. And this final act of taking the pain of literally thousands and thousands of souls because it is the quote unquote right thing to do. It, it's just so it's just so moving. Uh, and I really, we really just have to keep moving on before I start uh, fully sobbing. Uh, 
reach out to us. Let us know what your favorite moments of this final book were or any of the book. Uh, our next episode will be the mailbag episode. So please, please send us your questions, comments, favorite Krupp parts, least favorite Calor parts, anything. You can DM us on Twitter at 10VeryBigBooks or you can email us 10VeryBigBooks at gmail.com or you can join our community Discord and leave your thoughts there. If you'd like to join the Discord, you can head on over to bit.ly slash TVBB Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D, Discord. The link will be in the show notes. And as always, thank you so very much to Dan Gesrick for making our spectacular logo. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Gesrick for the hottest YouTube free trial takes. And of course, the wonderful music in today's episode is by the one and only Amaranthin from their album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with their other music on bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes. And 10 Very Big Books will be back in two weeks on May 29th with our Memories of Ice mailbag show. Uh, we'll be collecting your thoughts until around the 22nd uh, so you have a whole week to think of something if you're listening to this the day that it comes out tweet us email us discord message us whatever you want to do we'll talk to you then and thank you so much for listening uh where are we is that it was that your beat no fuck off mate all right just call me mate yeah i did <laughs> mm. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs>